Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by and so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of fascinating stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. The show is supported by Illustration X. Go and take a look at their incredible global range of illustration and animation portfolios now at illustrationx.com. If you like the music for the show, go and listen to Dirty Freud over on Spotify and all good music platforms now. Today I'm joined by Bikestorm's founders Mac Ferrari and Jake 100. These guys bring the origin story of one of the most incredible projects out there, which is born of community, belonging, creativity and and love because it's railing against so many ugly things and they're going to tell us every little detail of how it began, where it's going and what it means to everybody involved. Hello and welcome to the show. How are you doing? I hope you're well. My name is Ben Talon. I am back. We are approaching episode 200 of this podcast. Numbers are milestones and milestones are kind of by the by for me. It's nice to put a you know, it's nice to put a bow on the show every now and again and take it into a new phase, which tends to kind of naturally happen as I hit these milestones. I don't know what that is. But really, if you're a long-term listener to the show, you will know that I'm just incredibly passionate about every guest that I have on here. I don't get handed guests. I don't have anyone telling me who I should have on the show. This is completely independent. It has been since day one when I was given the grace of Illustration X, my illustration representatives, to go forth and do something completely new, which was this, broadcasting, podcasting, audio format, creativity, whatever you want to call it. I'm passionate about creativity. I love talking to people where there's a strong sense of creativity in their story, and that's why it's taken me far and wide from dog painters to theatre producers to athletes, Olympic gold medal winners, and today, founders of Bike Storms, Jake 100 and Mac Ferrari. Doesn't get much more inspiring for me. I've wanted to do this for a number of years. I'll give you the story shortly, but first, a big thank you to the founding sponsor of the show, Illustration X. Illustration X represent over 200 illustrators and animators across the globe. You can check out all of the portfolios and all the latest news on the awesome projects of some of the world's biggest clients and some of the most moving personal projects over at illustrationx.com. Really do appreciate them on board. Um, so how are you? I hope you're well. I hope you're enjoying your summer, whatever that looks like for you. Been festivals. My brother was at Glastonbury again. He's an absolute junkie for it. And we um, we ended up sneaking into Worthy Farm recently where they still had the pyramid stage up. We went before the festival and we went down after the festival because now being Salisbury-based, I'm not too far from a beautiful little place called Glastonbury in Somerset. And we uh, pratted about on the stage right before the festival when they still had it all, well, when they had it all up ahead of it. And knowing that Paul McCartney was going to be walking out on there um, at last year's festival when we were just jigging about on it was, you know, amazing, really. You know, and then... To see the field empty is a quite a weird thing. So we went back there and my brother went out and 
he'd seen Elton John only like a week prior or two weeks prior and we went and stood in the same spot and got the same view with the empty field and compared the pictures it was quite something um but this do you know there's a spirit there that that's unique and it brings people together but it's also captured in today's feature episode uh, about a project bike storms so here's the backstory my own backstory with bike storms it's a very brief one I'm not going to dither for too long because these guys speak long and passionately about something that is really special. But back in 2019, when I had my launch exhibition of Lend Me Your Ear, which was an illustration and music photography collaboration with Andy Cotterill, a good friend of mine who'd been working for probably over 30 years now, shooting everyone in music for Q and Sony and record labels and uh, Mojo magazine and you name me, shot them. Kanye West, Chuck D. Grace Jones, Damon Albarn, Florence, they're on there. There's just Jay Huss. There's such a range of characters. And we collaborated for five years. I brought my hand lettering and my sketchy style to Andy's amazing images because they had such a humanity that I felt tallied up with the energy in my illustration style. And we launched the show at Stance in Covent Garden, which sadly is no longer there. So on the face of it, Stance is a cool sock shop. But it's their affiliation with brands across sports and about across uh, adventuring and all that kind of stuff and community projects that really endeared them to us. And they had this amazing basement space right in the heart of Covent Garden, right across from the tube station, that they very kindly offered us because they felt like this project fit with what they were doing. And a project that also fit with what they were doing, which they were ambassadors or partners for, was Bike Storms. Now, I had learned about bike storms not too long before it, and it's the mass ride out across London on mountain bikes doing stunts and riding free. Predominantly young people from all different backgrounds. And it was founded by Jake 100 and Mac Ferrari. And I met Mac at the exhibition. He kindly came down on the night. Um, and I, who I didn't realise was there on the night was Adam Corbett, who had been photographing bike storms for a while and um, documenting the whole project because he, he just, you know... He found the same love for the project that I had. Didn't get a chance to speak to Adam on the night, sadly, but Mac was there. We had a great conversation. I said, well, have to do a podcast about bike storms because it's absolutely incredible. And he said, yeah, whatever, any time. And then for me, twin parenthood hit, COVID, a whirlwind of new parenthood exhaustion, and then, you know, finally start to get a bit of energy back and think, this is more pertinent than ever before because we constantly hear reports in the news of kids stabbing one another and it gets completely demonised and don't get me wrong, it's absolutely heinous. There's no defending anyone using a knife on anyone. But you have to go to the roots, you have to go to the source of this stuff and it's still just so under-addressed. Youth services have been savagely cut by this Conservative government since 2010, since they got in. You only have to look at the stats to see. It's no secret that they butcher the arts. They, they, they always have done and continue to do so worse than ever. Look at the course cuts at the moment, blaming it on you know, time-wasted degrees and all this stuff, and, and it doesn't take a lot of wisdom to see through what they're doing. So the work that Mac Ferrari and Jake 100 have done to build this beautiful community that brings some support for kids who need it, who've maybe had tough starts in life, who've got in trouble, and need an arm around the shoulder and need people who are like them, to come together through a medium which is positive, which is the bike, and everything it represents, the creativity of the the, the, the tricks and the rides and the, and the skill and the athleticism on those bikes. But more importantly, the, the lack of need for words. Now, one of Jake's brand slogans is, ride more, say less. And the strapline, which we'll discuss in today's show, which has its pros and cons, that the media love to get hold of, was bikes up, knives down. 
in response to a lot of killings at the time and bike storms was a place where people could come and be more pure and do something that was wholesome and get out there and see a bit more of their city and in Jake's case the world and it's an inspiring powerful story and they're going to share all of it today and it really touched me and what happened was Matt came back down the next day when I was manning the exhibition on my own so we had this big party this big launch you know hundred some people in the space and then the next day slightly hungover I'm kind of you know sauntering around this space with 50 of our images on display in London for the next two weeks and Mac turns up and I'm sat there drinking my coffee and he's like are you ready and I'm like what do you mean and 25 some kids come down on their bikes down the stairs pulling stunts in the space not touching any of the artwork and it blew my mind and afterwards Mac asked me if I'd give a, a little you know a little talk to the to the to the young people about what Andy and I were doing and what it meant and why this you know identity was important to us in this project and it's things like that the cross-pollination and the, the 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 wisdom to see beyond the life on the streets a lot of these people have kind of spent their lives in which can be quite small and restricted with limited cultural horizons and what mac was doing was building this thing from the ground up along with jake to 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 give them more access to the world to bring them into contact with people who had something in common who they could relate to through the riding and transform lives for the better. And we're going to get into that today, so I'm not going to go on any longer about that. But this is a real, it's one I'm very excited to bring you. I've wanted to do this for a number of years, like I said. And I'm delighted that I got a chance to spend time with Mac and Jake and hear their story. And also Adam, Adam joins, joins us on the show to discuss things from a, you know, a photographer's point of view. Doc, what, what it means and, and why he wanted to document the rideouts with complete impartiality and the bike, the broader bike life culture. And I came away from this completely abuzz, and I hope you do too, guys. So let me know your feedback. Hello at bentallon.com on the email. At bentallon on social media or at creativecondition underscore. On Instagram, you can follow Jake at jake100. On Instagram, it's, it's just an incredible watch. The skills of that man on that bike and the heart he puts into the project is something else. Um, and Mac, I mean, how do you describe the man? Listen to his story for yourself. It's... You know, we Adam and I walked back to the station afterwards, and, and Adam described Mac as, as shepherd like because of the sheer rounding up of people who needed something to come together around. And it's just it, that was perfect for me. So, without further ado, big thank you again to the sponsor of the show, Illustration X. Check them out, illustrationx.com. Enjoy the show, get us your feedback, give us a little subscribe and a review, really helps the show. Nice one, guys. Yeah, Jake, I grew up in northeast London. Uh, my whole life, born and raised over there. I guess my love for bikes probably came from my dad and I kind of had interest in bikes and BMXing growing up. I also loved playing football. Football was a big part of it and I guess when you're young, football's one of the main kind of career paths you feel like you can go down um, in the active kind of way. Um, due to injuries from BMXing, kind of ruined my football career, changed my whole path. It was a big factor why I hated college because I was turning up on crutches and missing half of it for operations and whatnot. Um, and yeah, I fell into pulling wheelies on my bike yeah. on the local estate outside the youth centre, just competing with my mates who can go the most white, white lines in the middle of the road and posting clips and growing from there. Everything kind of just was that off. was that choice or was that a kind of necessity of the environment you grew up in, as in like the sort of was it a heavily urbanised environment? I know? think 
Yeah, obviously it was an urbanised environment because it's in London. But um, I was quite blessed with the way I was brought up with my parents and stuff. I was blessed, like, uh, you know, we weren't, like, struggling for money and stuff. It was just a very humble kind of mm. beginning to life. But obviously, where I was such an outdoors kind of guy and I kind of lost football and I lost that kind of routine, that structure to my life. And but I just wanted to be outdoors and get a rush and be outside. You chill outside and you're active in London, it can be very easy to lead you down the mm. wrong way. No matter who you are, where you come from, if you're outside all the time, you're gonna bump into the wrong people, all the right people, and choices can, can be made from there. And I guess for me, it was just, wheeling was just, what we did as something fun. You mm. know, I couldn't be a because of the injuries. And now it's just a place where we can chill in a park and go up and down and do wheelies. and there wasn't much else for us to do, so yeah, it became a skill that I just wanted to be better than my mates, to be honest. Like, and did it? Cause what did the bike kind of? I mean, as a kid, you don't you don't think like you sort of do when you get a bit more experience and mm. you're able to look back and post rationalise. But even then, did that bike give you that kind of? You, know, you mentioned football for me. Mm. Football represented so much more than just playing football. It was no. it was a I think is a I think it was a conduit something that brings other people around and it kind of breaks yeah. down different barriers and it, and it gives you this thing at the core of it yeah. that you can kind of express yourself through in a way before you know how to do that consciously, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think bikes was literally that. It was it was a way to express ourselves and I think for me it was... It gave me a focus when there wasn't a lot to focus on, mm. right? So it was like that was something for me to go out and practice and be distracted by rather than you know the, all the other potential distractions that you could kind of get caught up in so it was like just riding a bike was that thing that kept me on that skill and then I think for me riding bikes as it got bigger over the years as I started to 16, 17, 18 that's when I started to meet a lot of other people from London doing it and that kind of really kept me on the bike then because I think that was the like even compared to football, I think bikes is more beautiful than than football community-wise. Purely because even in football, you are part of your team, and the amount of fights and arguments and stuff you would have with other people from London just because they're on another team, but you've never met them before. Whereas with bikes, it was never ever that. You know, yeah. it was just always a big community thing. It meant I could always leave my area and ride with with, with friends who wanted to ride all day rather than. Do everything else, and you know it's almost a bigger tribe. Like football can be tribal within tribal, but right. But bikes, it's that's one big tribe, right? Yeah, and football's beautiful. I love Mm. seeing how many fans come together for one team, and the the energy, and Mm. how they will take over the roads and kind of do the same stuff we do. But even then, yeah, once again, it's like team, 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 and it's a beautiful sport. But there's also elements, and especially growing up, it's still quite territorial in a sense that it's, you rep your club and yeah. there's still a lot of egos kind of mm. being built at that young age whereas with bikes it was almost the opposite of that yeah how about you Mark what's your background um my background is colorful um <laughs> I was raised in northwest London from a kid so like Wembley Harsden area um I was raised with my mum dad wasn't really around and got a massive family. My dad's got a lot of brothers and sisters, so I was family orientated, just not so close to my dad, more closer to my uncles, aunties, and that. 
Um, on my mum's side, there was a close-knit family. On my dad's side, we was all scattered, but close-knit, if you get what I'm saying. So on my mum's side, we would see each other every day. On my dad's side, as close as we are, we don't see each other all the time. So between my mum and my dad, I was seeing two different lives. I was seeing structure with my mum, where she would go to work every day. But then going to my dad's side, no one in the family had a job, but nobody was a criminal neither. They all made their own money through their own trades that they built themselves. So I just saw different things in life. And when I was with my dad, he took me around different places in the UK. And that's what opened my eyes differently to what I was seeing in North West London with my friends, where we would just be in one area. So I would be that kid that, because I've, most of my friends' parents were together, so there wasn't need for them to travel. Like, mum and dad's here, you come home, you stay in Wembley, that's it. But with my dad being away, I go different places. So when I came back, I became literally the storyteller because my eyes had seen something that you lot's eyes hadn't seen. So I'd be telling you lot. And the same thing with us, we had bikes at the time. At the time, we had bicycles. We didn't know we had bicycles, if that makes sense. It's, we just That was to get to Paul's house to play Super Nintendo. Mm. That's the means, that's the quickest way. Didn't care what, like, I used to ride bikes in terrible conditions. Like yeah. the worst conditions, as long as it was rolling. Like sometimes it didn't have brakes. Sometimes it didn't have pedals. It's just like, bruv, we've got to go down the hill. It's going to be quicker than walking. That's all I know. <laughs> Wheeling, um, I always tried to wheelie when I was a kid, but we didn't have the scientific knowledge to press the back brake to <laughs> bring it <laughs> So I don't know why it never clicked to no one, but when I was coming up, I saw two kids wheelie properly, and one of them was in Spain. Like he came through, like, Jay, like, the first kid I ever saw in my life came through traffic where the cars were together like that, and I was so young, and I saw this kid, and I was like, that's cold. Like, but it was so far and few between when I was coming up. Like I say, we used to try it, but we after 20 seconds, we're off the back because we're mm. not using the back brake. So we love bikes. Um, growing up fast, when I was coming up, all the boys wanted to jump into cars first, and the bike wasn't cool. If you actually had a bike, you weren't the guy. So it was either a moped or a car, Fiesta, 306, whatever, Golf, GTI, whatever. That's what we wanted. So as soon as we could, we threw the bikes away. Yeah, even if we were driving illegally at 14 hours driving, like throw the bike away, get rid of that. But I love the bikes. Like we used to ride, like we used to we used to actually have fun with in my structured life. Yeah, where I lived with my mum and my friends we used to ride, they were structured where my friends, they're just innocent people. They find a little circle where they ride around in it and we play racing. And then we'll do that from sundown to sundown, sundown, mm. whatever. And then that was that. Wanted to get onto the motorbikes. I preferred motorbikes growing up through life. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, my past was colourful. Got in a bit of trouble here and there. Wouldn't say I was the worst person, but I definitely had my input into crime, trouble, whatever. Mm. And... I changed my life. I've always been, um, what's the word? Aware of what I'm doing. Mm. And because I've seen other things in my life and I've seen other things, I know that I can do something else. So when I was choosing to be troublesome, it was more me rebelling and saying, 
don't care. Like, I don't want to go to school. Even mm-hmm. I can't go to school. I'm not going to go to school. And I would say I put my fair share into the younger people looking at me and saying, yeah, we can do it like Mac. Like, we can be like that. And I thought, by the time I got to, like, 27, I had enough. Mm-hmm. I was just like, no, nah, I've got to be an example for these kids because I, I know better. And I've got a little bit of reputation where no one's not going to beat me up. I can make my own mind up and no one's not going to... I can always do what I want to do. Mm. And I was in like some of the baddest... Not gangs. I was affiliated with some of the baddest gangs. But even the leaders allowed me to be me. Mm. Like I could leave this situation if I want to. Because I've always been me. I've never fronted. I've said, bruv. I've showed when I'm scared as well. Like if I see a situation I've not been used to, I tell you that, yo, that was heavy. Bro. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to act like, oh yeah, I'm used to that. And I think it kind of saved my life in a way where it's like, Max, real, he's not fronting. Like so some of my friends used to be like, yeah, that's normal, da, da, da. but then in the situation they crumble. I didn't need to crumble because I never acted like I was not going to crumble. Mm-hmm. So it was like, bruv, nah. And then I'm by myself. I hadn't didn't come up with older brothers. When I was out on the street, like probably Jake, it's just me. Like I can't call an older cousin, I can't call an older brother. And all my older uncles are too old to come. They're, they're, even though they're old, only five years older than me at that time, you're too old to come down and beat up a 15-year-old for me. Yeah. So everything I do, I've got to know what I'm doing because yeah. it's on me. So that as well was there. Went through life, had a little respect for my friends and they always knew that I would pick the right way mm. to do things. I still love my fun, but I'm going to be sensible. So, Where do you think that authenticity came from? You know, Because a lot of young people, I'm, I mean, maybe I'm speaking on something I don't know about here, but it strikes me that particularly when young people get demonised and, and they do get in trouble, yeah. which is easily done, is it is it a big part of that searching for identity and belonging? Because it has to be, surely. Because with, at that age, it's very hard to be authentic when you don't know what that looks like. So where do you think you are? I grew up with, so like I said, my dad's got a lot of brothers, mm. a lot of brothers from different ages, but we're all close in age. So I grew up with those lot. So in school, I wasn't really too bothered about having friends or not having friends in school because when I go home, yeah. there's like a whole family of us. Like when I go out with my uncles, that's my circle. We fight together, we play together, we do everything together. So when I was out with these lot, my friends that from weren't part of my family, I see how they're acting. Some of them are really immature as well. I wasn't doing a lot of stupid things for my age. And I said, you are doing some crazy stuff. And I just wouldn't have it. But because, like I say, my uncles wouldn't come and fight for me, but I was fighting them. So I didn't have a fear in you lot if it got to. I was never scared to fight. I've always been scared to die. I've always been scared to bleed. But I've never been scared to like protect myself mm. if I have to. So... Yeah, I just had my own mind. Like, luckily, I think my uncle who came to Bite Storms one time, the award show, who's been a rock in my life, my biggest role model, my biggest inspiration. If it wasn't for him, I'd probably be a different character. But he's always told me, like, have your own mind. Mm. Like, I was sneaking into clubs with him from about 15, because I was tall and I always had the moustache as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sneaking into clubs with him and... Um, he didn't smoke, he didn't drink. And I'd be in a club with him and everyone else would be drinking and smoking and then I'd be like, you're not going to get a drink. He'd be like, if I've got to get drunk 
to feel happy, I'm not happy. He's like, I need to know that I'm genuinely mm-hmm. enjoying my time here and no influence is making me feel that it's something that it's not. And my uncle was the vibe of the party. Life, you'd think he's on drugs, but he's definitely not. <laughs> Never taken <laughs> nothing in his life. He's just a natural buzz person. So, like I say, he's my idol. Not wanting to let him down was why, even though I smoked young, he never knew. And I would never tell him because I knew it was a huge disappointment. And he's the reason why I could go spells without smoking for a long time. Because I'd, be, I'd rather be around you than forget the cigarettes, forget the weed. Like, I'd rather be around you. You're fun. And that was that. So by the time I got to 27, like I say, I'd lived a decent life, I'd say. I've been partying, I'm driving motorbikes, women. I've done a lot. So I felt like, you know, I ain't even been jail. And that's good because I've done things that should have put me in jail. And then I just saw it as like a blessing. Like, Matt, you're obviously here for a reason. People take to you how they take to you for a reason. So acknowledge that mm-hmm. and that's what I started to do at 27 and I had material things that I just started seeing what's the point in it like I had the nice car a motorbike nice flat big screen TVs I had it all man I was rich beyond my happiness I was cool but then it was like everyone that come around me was treating me like a king they ain't really got much themselves and I'm like you're like he will come to me Jake will come to me not Jake but example he'll come to me and say oh you got a BMW man I want one so I was like alright and goes yeah Teo's he's get five grand from uni like he's gonna have it in his house we can go get it from him and I'll look at Jake but Teo's been our guy like he's that's our friend why are you talking about robbing him to get this my car bruv when I was driving this car there was a depression that I was going through that no one knew about. And everyone would assume that you're happy because you're in this car. But it's like, this car is not happiness. Bro. Mm. Like, it's deeper than that. And you don't want to kill each other for it. So I was like, forget that. So anyway, that's where I did this thing called Write Off World and I just gave my car to the community, let them write on it, artwork, whatever, just you lot do that. Aim of that was to show the young people that I value you more than this car and I want you to value yourself. And your, and your friendship groups. But more than these material things. They can come if you do things the right way, not the way that I did it. So, um, did the car. It was a great community tool. Great, brought community together. It was amazing. I pull up on your street. We have a street party. It was automatic fun. Just, it was not, for me, for what I wanted to do with the young people, it wasn't enough. Because I pull up for two hours. Great, you're cool for two hours. But when I leave, there's still that drug dealer over there trying to give you drugs. Mm. There's still your mum, dad abusing you. There's still things going on in your house that I can't fix just by turning up in a car. Became really ego, egotistical of me because I was driving around. Now I'm the guy, they're putting me in the paper and I'm growing like publicly, but not really changing much lives, just having fun for a moment. And oh, that's a nice thing what he's done. He's giving his car away. That weren't enough to me, man. So at this time, I was into motorbikes again. Started going. I met. That's when I met um, Wavy, and I started going Brimsdown, and that's where I started to meet everyone. But it was more motorbike infused. Like everyone come down on their motorbikes, dirt bikes, and whatnot. This time I'm turning 28, 29, 
and I'm looking at it. At first, I'm having fun on these motorbikes. I'm not even acknowledging the kids, like, to say the dangers of the motorbikes. It's just like, yo, everyone's down there. Rims on is lit. Let's have fun. And then after being there for a couple of years, meeting everyone, um, not even a couple of years, like a year. Within that year, it was like, I saw accidents. 12-year-olds coming off mopeds. Like, I saw intestines coming out on the floor from, mm. like, accidents and I was like that kid's young man and then as I started getting older I was like man I've got a slight responsibility here kind of thing and you know what it is I'm around people my age like wait I'm around people that's close to my age but once you know better you gotta do that in it like if you're thinking it in your head you gotta get these kids off this bike but even if that's not what wavy bugs and all these people are thinking at this time I'm thinking nah these lot pull up on bikes first, mountain bikes. They then put their mountain bikes down and come and watch the dirt bikes and the mountain bikes are on the side. Then it's like, because the dirt bikes are going up and down the strip, it's like, get out the hell off the strip. Get your bike off the strip. What are you doing? They don't want their bike. <laughs> yeah, I got kicked off the strip enough times. Yeah, they don't want it there. Then. I was like, I don't like bullying. I don't, it wasn't bullying. It was just these guys want to ride their bikes. They don't want yeah, the kids yeah. in the way. So, but they stay aggressive. I was like, no, I'm not feeling that. So they used to have a main part of the strip and try and kick the kids down. Another part, which was the boring part. <laughs> no one wants to be there. And I was like, I've got a little bit of influence here. Yeah? I'm cool with like the main guys that ride and whatnot. So I said, mm. that was that. That's what I started thinking, that thought process. So I started editing these videos for dirt bikes only, doing these little stupid sound effects over the videos, like voiceovers. Ah, oh my gosh, like, ah, what's he doing? Like, side back, growing up a bit, like it's bubbly. Then a kid must have messaged me and says, can you do one for me? And I looked at him and he's on a mountain bike. And I was like, he couldn't even wheelie like too tough, yeah. It was just the most basic wheelie. Like there was nothing to edit, but just when he puts it up, go, oh, he's up, and he's up. And then that was that was the it, yeah. And I was like, uh, but cool. He loved it. Started doing a few people started editing me videos, and then I got a video from Jake, yeah? and he done what we call a death spin back then, yeah. And I was like, hmm. That's crazy. And then he had a clip where he was bombing through one tunnel. And I was like, that's crazy. He used to go down to City, there was the black and white tiles on the floor one time, that area there. Yeah. And then him and I think Trappy and a few other riders, they were going mental there. And there's only a few, like he was definitely the best. And then there was Trappy that had a style. I won't say Trappy, but he had his own style and he was risky. And then there was Hades who had his style. Like these lot were like the three ones that stood out mm. to me. And then I was like, yo, these lot are sick. Like he gave me videos to edit. Like that was something to play with. Like he's now, it's like, yo. And through all the videos that I received, he was the only one that did something different. Like the death spin and wheeling and you could see something. So had him in mind, saw him, I think he came down to Brimsdown a couple of times. Then I thought, I want to do like a ride. Not, I'm not. I'm gonna say it as it was. I didn't think ride up. There was a few people who messaged me, um, and like the, with the videos, and I was like, "Do you know him?" They were like, a lot of people didn't know each other, and I was like, "If I could get you out together," with, I was just thinking about maybe 
30 kids from that what came. I've got about 100 videos, so I thought, if I can get 30 out, and we go down like the city, and then everyone's got their wheels in it here, because there wasn't a lot of people that could really, for long, like they could only lift up a little bit. So I was like, if we can get people of like his caliber down the strip, city, Oxford Circus, whatever, wheeling with a cause, it's going to be pretty sick, man. And the thing is, I wanted to get the younger people to like their bicycles, love their bicycles. So I was like, let me put down my car, let me put down the motorbikes. Let me try and influence like Wavy, Bugsy, Cones, all these lot, just to put down their engines for one day and come out. If it's possible, it will look good. Didn't expect a bike storms out of it, but it will look good. Mm. So I think I met up with I met up with Jake and I met up with Chappy and then we sat down and then we we planned the idea like a ride. Didn't have a name for it at the time. I wasn't really bothered about the name. I was more bothered about like it happening, and then we came together. When I met Jake, he was young, but like three years ahead of everyone else's age mentality. Whereas we could have a conversation with him. And then Trappy was just Trappy. His name <laughs> was Trappy. Like I knew Trappy trapping, and my idea was he's not a perfect person, but that's my. That's the aim, to like get people like Chappie, turn their lives around and try and get something out of it for them. So Chappie got involved heavily at first, but he's got a, a different life as well. Like he's really involved in the street stuff. So it was, for me, if I could get two hours of Chappie's time, knowing how actually busy you are, what you got going on, I'm happy, brother. I love your energy. I love you being about. So now I put them... We did it. Came up with the name Bike Storms. Chappy was like, "Fire Z on it," <laughs> like, and then we're lit. And I was like, "Cool, Z Bike Storms." I was like, "Cool, that's it." And then yeah, so then we started promoting it. And then from the promotions, it it grew. But like I said, what like what Jake said, the challenges that I thought about the kids. I wanted a youth club at first. Like that was my thing when I started the car auction it get a youth club. But then it was like, that's just an area. If I've got one youth club and I get it in South London, are the North London kids going to come to that? Like, I want to help kids across London, not just a set of kids in a certain area. So I was like, nah, youth club ain't going to work. But And a youth club was also my ego to say to my family, look, I've got a building. That was all ego. I had to be ego checking here a lot. Yeah. Yeah? So I was like, cool. To remove that, to remove the sort of the fixed location. Yeah. It's massive there because... Yeah. That, isn't it about the freedom and about exactly and about open and space? A fixed location is not going to be freedom. It's just going to look good that I've got a building. Mm. Ain't going to help. So the streets became my youth club. It's mm. like I'll be out here. These lot love riding. It's nothing that I have to force them to do. They're doing it off their own back. Like he's riding. He chose his bike. Yeah. Like these lot chose their bikes. I'm like, why would I need to get a youth club to build programs yeah. when you've They've chose a program. We just got to facilitate and like guide it. So that's what we literally did. We put the first ride out on, and it was good. I think my contract with the kids was, don't fight each other, and I'll break my back to make sure that we can build what we're doing, put respect on what we're doing, because we never have used to have a lot of respect 
for it and put respect on what we're doing and give it a direction. I don't like, I've always said this, I don't like using knives up, spike down, bikes down. Knives up. Sorry, knives down, bikes up. <laughs> I, I don't like using, I don't definitely don't like using that. <laughs> but um, I, I always get that mixed up. I don't, <laughs> I don't like using that um, phrase because I thought it was like a media hook for like it was yeah. a bait to get media into like to get us through the door and I felt like I shouldn't have to lie or lie on my CV we shouldn't have to lie about what it is mm. to like what we're for what we're doing like we are who we are and we mean what we mean that like, our intentions are pure and I always felt like putting knives down backs up on it took away our rawness of like what we actually stand for, but this is just for the media. This was this was the media was buying like that's that. You can't just be this. The council's telling us you can't just be a groove. You gotta have a cause, put a cause behind it. I was like, we got a beautiful cause. We're here riding, like our times occupied. Yeah. And the thing, like I say, from the car occupying your time for two hours, cool. To the bikes, now I've got your time for 10 hours. You're riding every day. Yeah. Like, for 10 hours and straight. It's, it's physical well-being, which which leads to mental well-being, which means the purpose and belonging and friendships, and it's so many fucking benefits. That well, Ben, there was kids that I rode with that was autistic. I was riding with them for, like, six months. I had no idea until we stepped off the bike that you're autistic, bro. I had no idea you started. I had no idea you had learning difficulties. Mm. The reason is because like Jake said, when you're riding on the bike, it's a vibe. All you really need to be able to do is go, woo, woo, eh, eh, eh. Yeah. That's all you need to do. And literally anyone can make those noises. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happens. So it's like people who wouldn't be able to make easy friendship circles because of their things that are holding them back in life, they feel. They've, they're in groups of people where everyone's deemed the same. And it's like, your bike's going to make you the same as me. Don't matter your colour, your skin. Like, we didn't have race issues, no race issues in bike life until I had to make an issue with George Floyd. Because mm. that was... So I, I'm, generally, I do regret that now. Like, that's something that's gone and passed. And it's going to happen again. But do you know, our culture was so pure that we didn't need the stain mm. of that. That's racism exists. But here, amongst us, it don't... Mm. Like a white guy stops him, gives a black guy a, a tire kit when his tire's down. Black guy does the same thing. There's no yeah. colour here. It's just we ride. The walls come down, don't yeah. they? Yeah. environment. Yeah, so it's like, you know what? It I stood at that point I stood back and I thought things have changed, man, and I don't want to do that to the culture. Hence part of the reason why I'm handing over backstones to Jake at the moment is because I'm a very political person. I've got my views and my personal views shouldn't affect everyone else's chances with bike storms and how bike storms is run and everything. And when I started to get too political by choice, I was like, it's not fair. Anything that happens in my personal life was also affecting bike storms. So I was like, it's not fair. Mm -hmm. At the time when I started it, I was more free. I had a much more, much more time on my hands. I was more free. I could have stayed out of my house seven days in a row, didn't not go home with these, I can come home at three, didn't matter. Things changed and I was like, bike storms can't change because things have changed for me. And what's happened here is that I've carried something with ego again. Uh, I started it, this is what we built, this is what I've put time into, all that crap. And 
that was detrimental to not just myself but to the culture which needed to change um me and jake started together and we grew and then we grew apart and then eventually we grew back together which is why we're here today and through in my heart it's like you got to be building leaders if i don't create another leader that can do what i did and better then i'm not really about what i'm about i say i'm about and that was it so after me and jake got over our differences and i could put that aside like the reality and the realness of what happens is like it'll be beautiful to pass this on to someone i don't like saying down because i feel that's disrespectful like pass it on to someone and let them use their ideas let's see what they can bring from it mm -hmm. and hopefully it's better than what i do because i've tried to like beat every last bite stones and i wanted to continue going that way so jake has been doing what he's been doing he's been a pillar in bike life across the countries um, for everybody and it makes a lot of sense mm. um, for me um, with not just because of his like fan base because there's people with fan base that are idiots like but and they ain't got no discipline and I think to do what I do with Bikestores there needs to be like you need to set yourself aside as a person and have a different outlook and discipline to other people. So like, I'm not gonna say certain situations that I've seen Jake in on this, but I've seen him in situations where he could have made two choices. And he's got a group of other people that he's not in control of, he's not their leader, but so they can make their own choices and they did. And the choices that they made, whether it be 10, 20 of them, he didn't. And he will go by himself or with hell or with someone who's like, like-minded and I think that's what's definitely needed yeah to be a leader like you can't go with the group all the time that, he used to get on my nerves when he used to do that <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> he used to like who the fuck do you think you are but like do you know what as a leader you just gotta set yourself a certain way it's in yeah. every sport with every captain every the team captain's always different yeah. from the players it's like you said earlier like, about you know about being seeing people up to no good yeah. having your own inner strength to look past that and see that you wanted to move away but sometimes you have to sort of be exposed to that or go there to learn enough so that you can go and set the right example yeah you know what I yeah mean? and i feel he's he's come through every type of challenge that he can come across there will still be more to come across as he moves higher that's the nature of life yeah but right now at the age years of his experience and the respect he has from the culture, he's definitely someone to take it forward. And mm. that's what Bikestorms has been about. Like Jake says, I could have got involved in football. I used to play football a lot with the young people, but it was a team. And it was like, I've got my 11 boys that I'm coaching or my 15 boys that I'm coaching. But then when we go to play a match, there's a 15 boys over there that I'm not coaching. I'm like, hey, leave man, you little guy. You do it. Get off me, man. It's, yeah. it's very that like, thing. So after the game, when we leave and you go and you're coaching, you, there's a lot of tension. Yeah. Like sometimes. And he's right. It was not the scene. And bike life, you come there, we're a group. Mm -hmm. And when we used to ride out in groups, they still do. When we go out in groups, the feeling is 
on top of the world. Problems yeah. that's in your head, um, stress at home, yeah. goes out the window. As soon as that bike, that back wheels up, you can't. You don't even think about a bit of stress. Mm. You just think about not dying, kind of thing. Like looking sick, doing what I'm doing, and learning. So I just feel bike life. The bike in general is everyone's glue. Mm-hmm. We're a family, a huge family. There's fallouts. There's parts of the family that don't talk to parts of the family. These things I'm hoping will iron out when I see when they see that, like the pioneers like Jake, myself. It's okay to go through turmoil sometimes. Just I would say through interviews like this and interviews that I'll be doing with Jake in the future is, don't do too much that you can't turn back. Don't say too much where you can't take certain things back, and. It's hard, because when you're angry at the time, you're angry. But just as a lesson to everyone, if you know about me and Jake and you know a little bit about our story, time has been wasted. Although things have been learnt and things needed to happen, a lot of time has been wasted where we could have been a lot further. This could have been happening like two years ago. Mm. But, yeah. um, And I think for Jake and myself, we can tell you, always think for yourself. People are going to get involved for their reasons. And that's cool. But just keep a level head. Stay balanced. And like, just remember. Sometimes like, I should have just remembered who me and Jay were in the beginning. And then that might have changed a lot of things as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're here today. And I'm excited about Bike Storms coming up. I've already heard some of... Jake's ideas for how he sees it running in the future, and it's it's incredible. Like it's it's blowing my mind. Yeah. I love it. I feel comfortable, and like Jake will tell you that maybe five six years from now, he'll pass it on. But in that time, we'll be looking for like the leaders next Jake one hundred to take it over, and I'm stepping back, but not away. So I'll still be doing the programme, still be there for the children in the background, but I'm not going to be calling the dates of the red, the competitions, what happens, the sponsorships that are there, anything like that. Mm. That's all on Jake, but I'm here to support him um, with anything that he needs help with. And yeah, mm. Jake, for you on a personal level, so like that, because that's what sort of timeline are we talking there from when you first started to back storms to now? But it's not, it can't, it was like, Eight, seven, eight yeah. years ago, I think. So over that time, in terms, of, for you personally, but also for thinking particularly people who've come from tough starts in life. Mm. What have you seen through bike storms and through bike life culture? Have you seen a lot of examples of people who've found something bigger in that, and it's enabled them to grow as people? Yeah, I think with bike storms, it like obviously for me, I was where I grew up and my friends liked bikes we, we got on bikes and we started riding them and we got the skills together and I was quite lucky to have friends that liked bikes but if none of your mates like bikes then you haven't really got that community so with bikes it created that community for everyone no matter where you are in London or the UK um, and I think for me very visually and very personally would see the effect of bikes because me and my one or two mates that would go to central London and ride week in week out and be a part of this community and go to bike storms and work on that and whatnot. We're good, you know, we're doing that, we've got goals, we're trying to push this, we're growing on our social media, which we know in the future can potentially bring opportunity and whatnot. 
compared to my other mates who liked bikes but wasn't trying to be part of this community but that were still getting distracted were you know down the line and ended up getting stabbed going to prison you know all the brothers losing their lives like still in that circle now do you know what i mean still hearing this happened or that happened or this guy got robbed by this guy and uh, so it's like having bikes in that community everyone that's going there when you're there you're not you're not hearing people talk about issues and street problems you're hearing people talk about what parts they've got on their bikes and what tricks they want to do what content they want to film mm. do you know what i mean so it's a whole kind of different world that kind of really separates that and obviously you do get that crossover and people do come from the streets who are heavily involved in the streets and get involved but then they're only surrounded by people with this sort of mindset so that positivity and that kind of mindset and what we do is infectious so it's like you can see over time you see some people change and but you also see the other way that you see young kids come in quite early and in it for a few years and might go down the other route as they get a bit older. So mm. bike storms is like, yeah, it's that hub. And it, I think, yeah, it can really change someone's kind of direction and thought process. Mm. I've seen kids come to bike storms, like you say, young. We, they're riding with us, then they go through a bit of trouble. And then we don't see them for a while, but then a year later... Yeah, they'll come back. They come back. Cause they realize, they're always asking. Yeah. The amount of messages I get, yo, bro, I used to ride with you. Little Renz messaged me the other day. Yeah. Bro, I ain't been on the bike in years, bro. Like, I need yeah. a bike. Like, can you help me? Like, but that's that's kid, one of the first kids I used to ride with. Yeah. And then probably I ain't seen him for years. From what it looks like, there's he's lived a certain life for a while, and now he's he's back. Like, bro, I need a bike. Like, I need yeah. to come out. I need to ride. Like, I need to. You know, clear my head. I need to get out, or get away from this. And that's what and I like. That's what I visioned, yeah, with that stuff. Because for me, it was when I got into trouble and I got arrested, and now I'm sitting in the police cell. I did think about my good groups, so I would be thinking about bike storms. Like I swear, when I get out of here, but I'm just gonna get my bike and I'm gonna ride with them lot. Cause there was none of this drama. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, sorry, Jake, that was it. Yeah, well, I think that's what it does. Like for people, it's just. It's a very good thing for people's mental, you know. It's massive. I mean, the, one thing, one of my big wishes, and, I, and, I, and it, you see it in glimpses, but very too rarely, is acknowledgement of the power of everything that you've just described. Mm. Not just in bike storms, in in other forms, in other positive pursuits and and, mm. and play and and because let's, Adam and I before this conversation, we touched upon the fact that you know. Now that we've lived a little more life, we have that ability to look back and post-rationalise and recognise mistakes and mm. see themes. But when you're a young person, 13, 14, the mind doesn't necessarily work like that. It's mm. more animalistic in a sense that you need very basic things as a young person. A bit of trust, a bit of freedom, a bit of open space, the ability to, to find out and make a few mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on that level... I mean, Bike Sounds is a magic example of, of something that, that, that provides a lot of that in one hit, particularly for kids who grew up at sea. Yeah. I grew up, I was completely different. I grew up in West Yorkshire in an old mill town. And near my house, I was very fortunate, there was an old woolen mill. And it was on its arse by that point, so that industry had kind of capsized. Mm. But what was very fortunate for me is that the 15 or so year window, when it was limping along, and it had these big grounds next to a river, nobody used you had like two security guards was right mm. next to where my parents grew up in a small house um so we had weeks and days six of us with a ball mm. or a bike mm. to hang out and to just be before mobile phones so th- it was a time and you know where you had that 
you had the freedom, you had time to think, to just mm. be and mm -hmm. exist. And that's not reality for a lot of kids, is it? Because there's the humdrum activity, especially in urban environments mm. of, like you said, distractions over there, a good thing over there. Mm. But without that compass, as a young person with that animalistic energy, there's no wonder that people kind of pinball back yeah. and forth because how else could it be? Yeah. Mm, no, 100%. I think that's why I was so blessed with the way I was brought up and where I was brought up in a sense because at home it was very, like a very safe place. Parents are good, you know what I mean? But then I'd step out and my best mate's five minutes down the road or mm. completely the opposite background. Do you know what I mean? In a completely opposite area surrounded by completely the opposite kind of people with whatnot. So for me being exposed to so personally to close both worlds when I'm out on with my mates I'm in this world and but when I come home it's a whole nother world it meant that I was kind of able quite early and quite young to kind of know right from wrong make those mistakes where I've been arrested and been in fights or sold this and sold that do you know what I mean made those mistakes early on when it wasn't too much of an issue to make mm. those mistakes you don't get in too much trouble but then was very quite clear and quite calculated about uh, how I moved down but also for me then it, it's meant in the position I'm in now I can kind of still relate to a lot of those young people who are coming from that background but also from the other side and kind of mix those worlds mm -hmm. you know and get people in that, that right path. Um, so. Backstories is a huge mix of middle class children and poverty struck children like and everything yeah. Yeah there's the mix is like, like I've, one of the hugest things I'm proud of is I've seen someone from a state block walk into someone's like six bedroom house and it's like you're going back to his house like it's no, like Dems and Little Harry gonna, yeah your, your eyes are going to be open now Dems to like Harry's like where he's taking to where he lives in the country his house it's like Dems go look at that house come away from it now like go back to your block and say what you saw like inspire everyone to say look I want to like see if I can obtain this now I've seen something different and that's the beauty of it but the one thing you have to let them know is the respect of each other mm. so don't go this is a very thin line yeah? you can't let some people go back to certain places and see because they're still really attached to the street and if they go back to the area and start saying oh yeah he lives here and this is what it looks like then I don't want people's house to start getting burgled so the loyalty has to be there like Harry has to trust these people I used to tell Harry I said bro don't bring everyone back to your house yeah because it's just not everyone's like that Harry I said there'll be jealousy there'll be a lot of things okay so it's not that you're being like stubborn or posh it's that bruv your parents have got a home for your safety you can't bring back everybody there but you know what? luckily I don't think anything like that has ever happened with Harry and it's all been experiences like when I was younger I was able to travel see different places see different people come back and say this is in my picture now so like when these drill artists talk about what else do you expect us to say that's all we see that's all we know so when we rap we spit about what we know about I'm like okay I hear that fair enough let's get you out then let's do things to get you out here so that you can rap about something different mm. and you still got your rapping talent but if you're going to use that excuse for me like well that's what we know that's our reality let's change that yeah. and that's why everyone that rides with us that has come out if you turn into a drill rapper and I hear you just talking about chinging and chinging and knives you're lying 
yeah, you've got more in your mind to say that I've taken you to Scotland, we've gone up to Milton Keynes, we've met different people, you've been around millionaires. It's like Keaton, he became a rapper and he, he raps about not like none of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. He's now a rapper, he's got like played on radio, millions of streams on Spotify, the kids 16, 17. Yeah. Talking about girls and friends and. Yeah. That sort of stuff. He didn't and go down, and he grew up in Canning Town, right and in the middle of the hood. That was my thing with these young people was the influence of the drill music. It's like, tell us something new. And if I can't come to your area and take you out, then cool, rap about knives and that until I can. But there's a lot of people as you're changing. You don't need to see that no more. And with this drill culture, it's being cooler than them. So these lot, he's got every pair of night trainers that can exist without <laughs> drugs, without crime, without yeah. anything like without that. Without money. Yeah, his bikes, his clothes. If he wants to go out and buy it, he's got a van, his motorbike. He had his mo when he had his motorbike, he was legit on his motorbike when he pulled up 16. on his motorbike. 16, yeah, he pulled up on his motorbike, legit. That's all I've ever wanted these young people to see is just a different way of obtaining the stuff we like like you don't want to get to Nike you don't just have to be a drill rapper and talk about gangster stuff to get sponsored by Nike you can do this yeah. and it's not Nike it's we're having fun Rob. like you come out and ride with us we're not nerds <laughs> like we're guys we're no, like wheelies is mad respecting in London and yeah, culture we, we have think, our yeah. thing there's a divide between young, but like within young people 100% like, even with young people, I say to them, like, because we do ride through different areas. And, you know, we ride and there's only four or five of us. Well, it happened to me when I was younger a lot. I don't get it now because I'm a lot older, but it probably happens to all the young kids the same way it did when I was younger. But you ride through another area, four or five of you, we wear tracksuits and stuff. Mm. You look like a certain, especially back in the day when bike life wasn't as out mm. there. You riding past these estates and there's a group of boys. We get chased with guys on knives trying to steal our bikes. Yeah, like, yeah. I've been chased through Bermondsey. Round the corner from Bikesons Park when I was 17, guys pulling out a machete, running down yeah. the road trying it to take our bikes. Yeah. So it's like, but then everything, even to the young people, now what I teach them, and what I used to do, and I still say, and it still even happened to me the other week, you pop a wheelie straight past <laughs> yeah. them, and you're like, I've never ever had an issue. It changes you pop the a wheelie, whole like dynamic. a group of kids, yeah. you tell them pop a wheelie. Those guys on the block are now like, oh, they're just bike life kids they're bike life youths they're, wow. they're just they're just wheeling yeah. they're not here for any other reason you ride past looking around like oh where's this yeah. those guys are thinking oh shit what are they doing here and I, I've always said this London's one of the most paranoid cities I've ever been in like uh, whether that's the weed whether that's the culture the media however it is I still say it's one of the most paranoid cities I've been in because just situations like that I can't even ride down the road without someone thinking even the other week near near um on Absolutely. next to canary wolf come around the corner and i'm like i'm not wearing a helmet this time i've just gone to my mate's house down the road i'm in a puffer jacket tracksuit riding my bike not thinking anything of it but then i remembered i was like nah this area a lot of the gang crime is like white people so i was like shit maybe i should be like a little more conscious of what i'm wearing turn around one corner turn around the next corner two guys come around the corner hooded up and one's got a bag of on they're shouting yo at me trying to walk in front of me to, to stop me on my bike mm, yeah. and so it's like but then I just ride off and do a wheelie do you know what I mean because it's like it's almost yeah. like a sign yeah. to, to the to the city like this is who we are and what we're doing we don't want no problems and being an ex-bad boy me I know yeah if I'm standing on the block and a kid rides by 
if you're just riding by in your tracksuit, I'm be like, yo, yeah, yo, come you're, here, man. What are you saying, bro? Like, I, I might not beat you up, but I'm gonna harass you. Yeah. Like, come here, brother. What are you saying? But like he's saying, even with me, where I live now in Tottenham, yeah, I put on my tracksuit. When I do this, nobody knows what I am, especially from the back. I just look like a kid when I and I'm riding. Well, I've had situations where I know guys were gonna approach me. I just go, yeah, and then all you hear is, "Hey, sick, cold," and it's yeah. like, or do one hand, or yeah, like shit. it's, wow. yeah, yeah, do one hand, oh, yeah. pop it, do it, like bite, life. And I was like, do you know what? For the kids across the UK, like he's saying, that's what I told all the kids as well. You ride past the gang, pop that bike yeah, up in the air. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like a that. safety net. It's, it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. Ninety-nine percent of the time, yeah. they're just gonna yeah. look. They're gonna like, be like, oh, yeah. fuck they it. They rather you like, be a part cool. of their team. Like, yeah, that's my guy. Yeah. Rather than like, no, that's not my no, guy. Where's he yeah. from? Yeah, What's he doing here? Why is he here? But you just think. Do you think to 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 address to address that problem on a broader scale with? the great things you guys have done with bike storms surely it's going to take media and government cooperation to to actually to see and to stop fucking doing hatchet jobs demonizing kids and mm. also just because lucky let's face it so if you're a young kid today living in a city you there's not many free spaces to go and be without paying four quid for a coffee let's say or mm. or paying into a leisure center mm. Because, okay, this is a weird thing, stat to reference. But I learned the other day that it was 97%, we've lost 97% of wildflower meadows in this country since 1930. That's an indication of urbanisation and mm. building on all open space. So I mentioned that mill yard that I grew up next to, that's now just houses. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening everywhere. So if you're a young person and you come from a background without much money and you want to just go and be at peace with your mates, from what you said there about people getting chased and everything else, how do we address that issue? I mean, what... I, and I guess what role can something like Bikestorms play in tapping into something bigger that does bring people like governments on board to try and... and, and the thing is, my personal opinion with that is I don't want the government on board because mm. I feel they ruin things. It's that I want the culture itself to grow yeah. within itself. I want it to get more influential in itself. And us bring our kids in. In terms of like more spaces, I think we just need to have more um, events, but not like big major events. Just places where we know we meet up and it's a ride up. Like so, mass happens every at the end of every month. These ride ups, it's like there can be pockets around London where we grew. So like one of the things that I told Jake the other day is. I wanna. The last thing I do for Bikestorms is I wanna get a statue that um, goes somewhere in central London where the kids can come and that's this. The statue represents the knife down bikes up. It represents the like I'm here for my life for the benefit of other lives to be the best person and version of myself that I can be. Statue represents a lot. If we could have different statues around the UK where riders can go and it's like on a map there's like say 30 mm. across the UK from where you're from from Birmingham there's these statues it's not a statue of me it's not a statue of Jay. it's just a statue of a kid on a bike doing a wheelie yeah. where we feel like we're appreciated you lot go there you take your pictures beside it and then the only thing I want from the media not the government is to put this into people's like psyches of what we represent 
what we stand. And then when you see this statue, remember what these kids represent. Remember where we're from. And no, we never said we're perfect, mm -hmm. but we're definitely trying. And yeah, I, if the government gets involved, it's got to be very... Organic. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let the people on the ground do it. Yeah. But to be fair, that's what like to be fair to them and the police and the council with bikes and that's what they are quite like mm. that in a sense with bikes and maybe not for the rest of the year, but with bikes and specifically, you know, just now where I'm having the meetings with the police, which I haven't had before and stuff, and seeing even the little things like with the station leaving all the barriers open at the station next yeah. to the next to where we meet yeah. up at bikes and just so if kids have not paid for a train they can still get through and there's no issues and yeah. there's little bits like that I think it's great for them to support but I think yeah mm. and on my side just moving forward I'm just trying to mix the cultures now yeah. like in London mm. so like at, at this bike stones might be doing something with a, a anti-knife crime charity who make calisthenics bars and might do a uh, a calisthenics competition because a lot of the guys who do calisthenics will ride a bike to the park do their calisthenics but alright cool now if I can mix that culture in with our culture yeah. so when those kids bump into the calisthenics community on the streets it's like oh shit like yeah. you guys are from bike life yeah it's cool and you know you start mixing that cross pollination is vital isn't it? Like, yeah like you're trying to do it with music too broadening horizons yeah and, and the thing is it doesn't matter what the thing is where there's a tribe and a belonging and a purpose and something positive the thing within reason you can you could sub in anything else. Mm. So I love I love just looking in the windows of like the Warhammer shop in town. Yeah. Because I love anything where there's a tribe of people. Yeah. So like the sweaty, you know, the BO and the nerds mm. and like that kind of community. I yeah, love it because they're there it. doing their yeah. thing and it's mm. that collective spirit. And I read something recently, there's been a, a recent study and it was basically saying that if you don't have because because we're such social creatures by nature, mm. if you don't have positive relationships in your life that's as bad, that's that's as important as not smoking or drinking too much. It mm -hmm. can have that detrimental effect on your physical well-being if you Definitely don't have positive relationships. And that's scientifically proven. And that's, I mean, I didn't, I didn't need to read the science to know that because I felt it. Yeah. I've been lucky enough to grow up playing for like rugby league clubs. I've always had arts communities in my life and I've been blessed with that. And the, the buzz of that to me is just magic. Mm. But what I'd love to see is that become a cultural mainstay, something that's put at the top of the pyramid. Yeah, for everyone's yeah. well-being but especially yeah. young people and especially young people who've not had that guidance in the home yeah 100% yeah. you know it's oh, like you said about your, your uncles and your extended family yeah. it's music to my ears because don't we all need that yeah. Yeah. you know don't we all need those examples of elders who've yeah. you know the whole it takes a village to, read a, to raise a child I was lucky with the um, I had one bad uncle so all the crime that I did well, came from one uncle as well. <laughs> yeah, I had one bad uncle out of all of them, but the majority of them were cool. And it kept him in his place as well. But he was the only one out of us that went jail and sold us. Like, he taught me how to sell drugs. He taught me everything. So, yeah. I, but I'm lucky that I didn't have 10 of him. Mm. And that wasn't our thing, because a lot of my friends... Like, I'll be honest with you, I met a guy who was really, a white guy who's really racist and he's publicly known to be racist and everything. I went into his life and through bike life and he was undeniably racist. Yeah? There's been things, there's been messages you've seen and it's like, yo, how, like, how do you get past that? So then when I spoke to him, he spoke to me. And we spent a bit of time together. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. I was trying to think for a second. I know. I just <laughs> So I was like, yeah. And then he was like, Mac, you know what? 
gonna be honest with you. He goes, my dad raised me. And I said, yeah, I know. He goes, Matt, do you know how much I loved my dad? And I'd be like, yeah, I can imagine. He goes, so that's who I know, Mac. He says, you have a dad who's there, he becomes your hero. Your dad says left, you go left. If that says right, you go right. He goes, Mac, that's my dad. That's what I know. In my area, there wasn't black people. Yeah. So, all Asians. So, that's what I know. That's my dad. My dad's my hero. My dad says, fuck a black guy. Like, that's where it is. It's like, that's all I know, man. <laughs> yeah. So, now, I've opened up my eyes and I've seen and I've not been so stubborn. Things happened with his dad as well, where it changed his views on his father and that before his dad sadly passed away. And he says, yeah. But now, he stepped away from it. And he's seen, he's been around myself, he's opened up his eyes a bit more, and he apologised. And you know what? I had to accept that apology from mm. him, because I was like, what else? Like, if I bring my dog to only be vicious, what else is he going to know? But that, that, and he loves me. Same thing with my daughter. If I bring up my, my daughter, I'm her world. If I say, forget white people... It's going to be forget white people in her head until she can get old enough and she goes around for herself and says, no, nah, dad, things it says don't agree with that or things don't agree with that or I act that way and then a member of public deals with me and then she sees that. Then she can have her own view. But where he was brought up, everyone was around the same type of mindset, which is so how, are you, how is he supposed to learn? anything else different like when he goes down to a local shop there isn't a black kid to learn from there isn't a black family to learn from like there isn't a black family to see that ah oh, this black man helped me today or helped my grandma there isn't that example of that so the only example you have set is what the media is going to push of a black person which is you're either going to be a rapper or if you're not a rapper you're going to be selling drugs and if that you've got to do sports for us so it's like Three of those. Yeah, which one is yeah. which one of these black guys is that? If it ain't sports, we can love the black guy for sports because he's gonna score for England. But the black the rapper, we don't want you listening to him. <laughs> yeah, and the drug dealer, no. So it's, that is the energy that's being pushed. You can't blame certain things. And with me as maturity, I've got to stand there with black people as well and say, Nah, do you know what? I can forgive mm. that. You may not want to, for you've got our own grateful person. But I've like, to move forward in the world, we need to come to solutions where we can forget. If we don't forget, it's never going to die. Yeah. Yeah? Learn, like, what it's like. Because there's people in Jamaica the same way, where all they know is Jamaican. All they know is Africa. Like, that's it. So if you put a white person in front, there's going to be a shock to the system anywhere you go. If you're not, that's not what you're used to. So when he gave me that explanation, I had it. And then I gauged him from there, in and out. And there was still going to be times where his inner came out, but there was a, I saw it in his face. I saw differences in you. I saw changes. Like how you talk to me as a person yeah. changed. You took time out as a person where you left your company because this was bothering you. And I was like, I can't keep coming at you for when I see you trying to change because if I come at you when you're trying to change then I'm I'm making your situation worse because yeah. like, I'm not giving you no leave I'm not giving you the chance I have to and I have to understand your background so 
And that behaviour invariably comes from fear, doesn't it? So when you, when you have the patience and the kind of maturity there to step off and try to understand and work with, yeah. steer someone. And people do only learn by meeting others. That's the thing. It's like, I'll never yeah. forget being at school and we had a lot of, in Brad, near Bradford, from near Bradford, and so we had a lot of people that grew up from Pakistani parents who'd come to the UK maybe 60s, 70s. Mm. So a lot, large population of Asian kids at school. And I'll never forget inviting one home for tea who we bonded over football and this big Liverpool fan. And I never even thought of it, really. And it barely crossed my mind that mm. he was different to me because he was a mate and we kicked a ball around together. And I'll never forget inviting for tea and then on the day I'm kind of saying, I've got to ask you, like, do, you, do your parents know what I am? Mm. And it cut me deep, and I never forget thinking I was I was I almost cried. I remember thinking it never occurred to me that that was a thing, and I thought, shit, mm. he's probably been up at night thinking about that and like not knowing how to approach that because he's fearing prejudice and, and discrimination. Yeah. And that was a that was a big thing for me in life. It was kind of like, shit, he has to live with that, and I have never have. Do you know I'll, what I mean? I'll tell you what happened to me. This is like quick story. I grew up with like a white guy. His family lives across the road from me. And I grew up with Asians as well, like, our road was kind of mixed, but the white guy, we was like, played with him every single day, we were cool, James, we were so cool, everything was so cool, going in his mum's house, dad's house, everything, I go, I'm there all the time. If I haven't eaten when my mum ain't come down, I eat there, yeah? Everything's cool, but he's got, like, you know, we're friends, so I was like, he's like, oh, we're going out of London, do you want to come? So I was like, yeah, come. I, I get in the car with his mum and dad, everything's so nice, everything's all cool, normal. Then when we get up to where we go to, his, all his cousins are there and everyone's there and his family's there. And then we left, where the house that we went to, which was probably his uncle's house, to go to his other cousin's house, but we left the adults there, all the kids have gone. And then we've gone to this house and they've all gone inside, yeah. And then they didn't let me in, but I was like, what? And they left me standing outside, yeah, while they, and they were pulling the curtains, showing me that they're having fun, and that I was like, I'm just standing out here on the curb, bro. And then his cousins were like, we're not letting the brown boy in, we're not letting her in. I was like, bro. And then my friends that were there, it's my friend James and his sister, we all went up to the game, yeah. And they was in the house, and they were looking through the window, and I looked at them, yeah. This makes me tear up. I looked at, they looked at me through the window, yeah. And they stayed in there for the whole duration. And when we came back, yeah, I was we was driving back in the car, and I'll never forget. I was like, "You that ain't my friends, bro." I was like, "You are not my friends, like you're not my friends, bro." Like I thought you were, but you left me out here, bro. And I was I was on the curb, I was on the pavement until we left to go back to the parents' house. That was that. And I drove back, and when we came back the next day, James was trying to be normal with me, like we are. And I just couldn't be normal with him. And then at that stage, that's when my actual thing changed in me, where the next day I went to secondary school, I started hanging around with black people more. Like, I thought, yeah, I gotta do this. Cause before in my school, the, the black guys would have called me like a coconut cause I, I hang around with white boys. Cause my first school was a lot of white people. They were my friends. And then, when I went to secondary school, they would say, oh, you hang around with me so much. White boys, but I'd be like, I don't see it like that. But then when that happened to me, I was like, yeah, I hang around too much. White boys, <laughs> 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 I need to go because it 
that hurt me and that was an mm. experience that I never forgot man yeah never forgot I was just out there and I was like I was hurt bruv and yeah. they were taking the piss out of me badly and I've never been in that situation where I've been bullied I've been the, the victim like proper, I'm like I mean, I'm a victim that's me proper bullying. I mean, yeah that's, that's I was a victim low. bruv I was like yeah so when I do what I do today bruv I've been through a lot of experiences like I say one thing I regret with doing bike storms is bringing the George Floyd situation into my culture and making my kids be aware where we went down there. Even um, another rider that ran, like, we all, every, we're just myself. Other people got involved in it. And I was like, do you know what? These things are going to happen in the world. And we've got our own grounds that yeah. we're trying to, we're trying to reach our own goals. You can't stop for everything that happens in the world. And as big as it was, I regret stopping and bringing that to my culture. And luckily, I don't think it's really affected us a lot because we just love each other. Like We love each other as a family. But I do remember at the time, um, white kids looking at me, feeling that they've either disappointed me or that I'm not going to like them no more. And that was far from the truth. It's like, I love you. Lot. Like You lot have nothing to do with this. You lot are yeah. my family. Yeah. But... They don't know that. Some of the posts I'm putting out um, against uh, people that are racist, it's like, well, man, I'm white. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not you, bro. Like, yeah. But explaining that, I understood. And it put a lot of kids that idolised me and didn't see me in that light. It, it turned a lot of them against me and it made their parents turn against me as well because I'm not supposed to be that guy. Mm. And I realised, so... My friends separate that were, that are doing all that stuff, they attached themselves to me. I had to tell them, you look, I'm not involved. All the movements that I was part of, I was like, you look, I can't be involved in this. And mm. I agree and I don't, I want equality, but I do agree that black people can be racist as well. So when you're saying black people can't be racist, I, of course you can. You can say something really offensive to somebody, brother, and it's not, two wrongs don't make right and you saying black people can't be racist that's the most arrogant thing to say and it's stubborn to say mm. that so I'm a loner then <laughs> yeah in what I do yeah yeah but you're human and you're and, and, and it's a that was a you know that's a thing of passion it's like you and we make mistakes yeah and I'm yeah. sure people would, would grant but I did that, it for quality mean? not to hate yeah it came yeah. from a pure noble place it came yeah. from a but when you it? put yourself with movements, there's people with hate mentality. Yeah. And then you're attached to that movement. So if yeah. I wear a t-shirt, okay, yeah. Yeah. and then he wears that t-shirt, mm. they're not saying, oh, but Mac's different. They're saying, oh, Mac, yeah. your guy said that, which was what was happening. Okay, yeah. And as much as I can address it behind scenes not to embarrass you, to the public is too late. Yeah. So this is why I'm saying with bike storms, I hope too much damage hasn't been done mm. in that. And this will like this interview's great, like they can they'll hear this now, but cool. But with Jake, black friends, white friends, Indian friends, he's got it all. Like we're a culture. We're yeah. not a race, we're a culture. Yeah. We love what we do and we're a huge family. Whether yeah. we talk or some don't talk or not, we're a massive family. And that's what we wanna do. In terms of getting space to ride Ben, um if good spaces can come about, not just one or two like like how they got skate parks now. I understand it's much harder to do it for us though because we require space. Yeah. Like it's not just a little BMX park we need. We need space. 
and that will be old factory areas that are thing but like how you say in this time everyone's looking to develop on something or try a little startup business that might not work but there's so much red tape around it so some of these buildings they do let us in which i've been letting to buildings but that's because they're going through a process of like changing ownership or the person is not using it at the moment then they say to us we can have this for like four to six weeks or maybe four months but it's nothing that's ours and like I said, I understand we need space. So rather than a space which I stopped going for for that reason, because I was like, we need space. It's like, let's just aim on putting the respect on what we do. Hope he becomes a millionaire. And that's what we need to do. <laughs> Become millionaires of our own so that we can go into these doing because money talks everywhere. So rather than us going in as like, hi guys, we're back life. We need this support, yeah. we need that support. Let these lot sell millions of bikes, yeah. become millionaires, and then they can make their own decisions. Yeah. They can say, do you know what? I want to go and buy that land over there, and this is what I want to yeah. do with it, and then I can afford the insurances. I can do that. And I feel that's going to be one of the ways forward mm. for us, at these lot as a collective, to come together. And I've seen five kids buy their first property together. These lot can do that. Or they can, the five huge influencers can come together and say, All right, I'll put in four grounds. Like, we run it. And I hope that's where he goes in, like, mm. five years from now with yeah. somebody out there that's saying, saying, yeah. And that's what I want to see, the growth of the whole culture. Mm. And I'm excited. Yeah. Like, people think I wouldn't be excited, but I'm excited. Yeah. Adam, can we, I'd love to touch on your experience because I think you've got a really interesting perspective. To your you photographed this from the start, is that right? Not from the start, no. no. I think like season four or five, maybe. Yeah. Although there's been Felt some like early on, there's been some like in betweens, like seven point five and things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I lost count of the rides, but yeah. So I, I'd say probably halfway through. So okay. what? Should, so what, what? How did you get involved? In so this so I got involved through Charlie Dark, who is a mentor of mine he is the founder of random crew um i think in many ways running culture started in a in a similar way to how kind of wheelie culture started but possibly like it was probably like five or five six seven years before mm. um so before nike started tapping into like communities and crews and setting up nike running club there were um street running crews effectively um started in london new york paris amsterdam and then has grown globally to a point where there's like crews all over the world. So similar to the bike, to the bike life culture, I think like you've got these kind of major cities which have informed the culture and, and people are kind of picking it up because they want to have their own communities um, and they want to form their own, their own cultures um, in their cities. So I kind of came about through Charlie because Charlie had, I think met Mac at some point mm -hmm. um, and at that point Mac had sort of like formed a group of sort of the best riders including Jake um, who at the time were called the street elites and Charlie had brought me um, me in at that point and we were having basically a conversation about the optics of the culture and how it was going to develop so specifically at that time like social media was how the message was really getting out there it was how people were communicating um, and really it was how like even the rides were organized it was just a, an Instagram post here's the ride this is the meetup this is the time and I think you'd like you, you know you'd never 
he'd never release the route. You often wouldn't release no. the meet, meeting point until literally like the day before. Because, I mean, I suppose it created a nice hype, but it was also just about like keeping that community close. So it was never like shouted sort of loud and far. Yeah. It was about people that were in that circle and that's what created the buzz that people wanted to be a part of. Um, yeah, so Charlie brought me in early and I started basically taking pictures. Um, I think he wanted me to make films, but at that point I wasn't really equipped to do film and another um, creator, Alice, came on. She's just had an amazing film that's come out. Um, but I came on and I started an Instagram account where basically I just posted all of the images that I took on the ride and the idea was really just to facilitate people sharing things on their own accounts because what I realised was that everyone was trying to you know, everyone was like creating their own content and they were sharing things in some way. But the gift that I had was that I'd worked in photography for 10 years and, you know, I was a photographer and I had probably better equipment and just was sort of, you know, I was a, I had a different perspective on things perhaps as well. Um, so I used to come down to the rides, used to meet, meet as many riders as I could, try and like get everyone's Instagram pages, which is quite hard when there was like 2,000 people to meet. Um, and I still remember the first day, I think the first ride I went to, we were on Tooley Street by London Bridge and the whole road had just been like filled with people. There'd be like the odd car that would try and pass through and it would be literally trying to part seas of people. Um, you know, there's kids on bins, there's kids like climbing up things to get a good view. Um, and the streets, it, it, I mean, it's like a small festival. It's like body to body. And like, and on top of that, you've got bikes everywhere as well. Yeah. So it, it's congested. But I sort of went into the crowd and just started just freely taking pictures of people uh, which is not something I always do. I'm, I'm sometimes I am public. I don't like approaching people mm. I don't know. But for some reason, in this moment, I was just like, "There's all these Never like, there's all these interesting people," and I was like, "I want to meet as many of them mm. I can, as many as I can, and take all the, take as many pictures as I could." So it started as a portraiture thing, um, but really the ride is is quite sort of multifaceted because you've got this sort of meet at the beginning where everyone's there. There's also socialising. Everyone's together. Um, you know, Mac or Jake will get up and they'll like talk. Um, mm. There might be some something that needs to be addressed. It might be some like information on the ride. It might be yeah. something that's happening afterwards. Um, and then you've got this ride, which would typically always go over Tower Bridge. Um, so we've also like completely shut that down <laughs> in the past. No traffic's getting through there. Um, and that's a very unique thing to see as well. I mean, it's, I think it's second to London Marathon. It's one of the only events I've seen in London where the streets are actually completely overrun. Mm. Like, and people are not expecting it uh, from like bikes. And they're not expecting it from bikes on one wheel either. Or so, young people. Or young people, yeah. And yeah. I think for some people it's like amazing. For others, they, they think it's really intimidating. Um, but... It doesn't matter what anyone thinks, it's a spectacle. And for everyone who's involved, they know why they're there, they know what it's about, and, it's, mm. it, and, it, and, it's, and there's a unity there. Um, so the ride would usually continue through London, do a big loop of central London, um, and end up, end up at a venue where there would be some competitions for sort of best wheelie, uh, longest drag, best 12 o'clock, best work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, every year the guys are coming up with new new ways to evolve the sport. And it's, yeah. um, you know, we, we call it sport because it's not recognized yet, but at, one point, at some point or another, people will start to view it as a sport. Mm -hmm. And I think that competition element, which is something that, you know, not everyone who just grows up with a bike can relate to, is that there is actually a, 
it's actually very difficult to wheelie. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to do a 12 o'clock, to do a drag, to do a swerve, swerve. To, do, to do a lot of the things that Jake can do on the bike. It's taken him like 10 years, probably more, to, to get to that point. Yeah. And it's not just that, but then it's also the, you know, it's the mechanics of the bike and things as well. So there's a lot more that goes into it. So, you know, where you've got downhill riding, you've got BMX now in the Olympics, it's like, for us, wheelie culture, it, it's seen as this sort of, urban sort of street movement perhaps but it does have the potential to like move into a world where it's competitive well that's um, a, you, and that's you what said the it, that strikes me there it's, it's almost a craft you know you do what's the thing ten thousand hours to pick and yeah, yeah. a master or something yeah that so what that does is not only give you the event and that energy you just described and the absolute crackle that can sustain you you know in your life the ripple effect from that is big and, and beautiful but when you've got that to go away with and develop and work on, that's an amazing thing because then it's like there's a skill aspect like that, like you say, almost becomes a sport. So many benefits. Yeah. Let me tell you yeah, something. Completely. Getting up on your wheelie on a bike is hard. Jumping on the wheel, jumping on the seat is harder. Doing the combos, clicking your leg over. Like, so Jake was a rider where he came with his skills. Jump up on the seat, he'll do a manual all the way down the hill. He'll put both legs over the handlebar. That was crazy. Then you get like Harry's generation come through with and they got pegs on their mm. SEs and they're crossing their legs over like mm. like they're taking all laws of a bicycle away. It's like oh, you're supposed to fall. <laughs> you're yeah. definitely told how are you up in the air with that wheel and your legs are <laughs> in the air as well and the right's still there. Like, it is crazy. And I, I, I've never wanted it to be undermined. I was like, you don't got to understand. This is not easy to do, like Adam said. This is yeah. crazy. And he was the guy. Harry combos. Now the combos I'm seeing, I'm like, now they're doing it yeah, in pairs. Crazy. Yeah, they're like, doing it in I, I can't even think of like even trying half the tricks that the kids that are 14, yeah. 15 are doing now. Yeah. Because like them just being so ready to break themselves and so young and light and nimble, it's like even blows my mind the tricks yeah. that I see these young people do. Like I've created my own style where I don't even bother even trying those and tricks. And that's beautiful about Jake. <laughs> He's throughout the time, he doesn't do the combos. But if you see him ride, nobody rides like him. Like, nobody mm. rides like him. Like, once he turns on, that's it. He's gone. And then that's when you can appreciate why he's Jake 100. Like, when he lets go without all the fancy tricks, like, his finish. Like, is I've always told people, open your eyes and you will see there's a uniqueness to the riders. There's good riders, other good riders out there. There's other riders with speed. But it's finesse as well. Mm. No, that's what I say. I always judge a rider or the, the, the best riders. I judge them when they're not doing the wheelie. Yeah. For me personally, I see how they ride their bike just yeah. down the road. Yeah. How they getting on and off the curb, like how how that, easy and smooth like they can well, do things that like that. And kids can wheelie, yeah. but then watch him when his wheels down and watch how he gets up a curb. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I try and do it. One, just people's vision. You yeah, can see exactly. kids' vision. Like, uh, alright, if I go left here, I'm gonna get stuck behind the bus and people on the curb there. But if I go right and through these gaps, like that's more what I look at when yeah. I when I'm judging kind of the level of riders for me is when their wheels down is how good and how fluid they are on the bike just getting around does it become it's a bit of a sidetrack question does it become effortless in the sense that so i've been writing and researching about flow states and if you've heard of 
what flow states are, but it's when you mm. enter that optimal performance zone. Yeah. So it could be me drawing as an artist. Yeah. But when you when you lock into that pure when nothing else exists, mm. and it almost the noise of the crowd just fades to black, and it's kind yeah. of and you, and it it's not effortless because it's absolutely based on skill, but it yeah. feels effortless. There's such a flow. Yeah. yeah, for me, like yeah, hundred percent. Like obviously, when you when you when you're learning now, you're trying to think of all the elements you've got to make sure you're balanced you've got to make sure you're pulling the brake but like now is yeah second to none do you know what I mean obviously yeah. if I'm trying a super hard trick or certain tricks take hundreds and hundreds of attempts yeah. for me to do now but when it just comes to riding around the roads and just manoeuvring and getting from A to B it's mm. I was not even in my mind I just put yeah. my music in and I, I recently interviewed a guy flowing. who performed to the highest level in judo yeah, we had a conversation about that, and he talked about how the skill side of it is all in the training and in the practice and in the hard yards you put in over the years. Mm. But when he's in that fight zone and he he enters that headspace, he has to watch the tape back to know what he's done because yeah. it becomes that yeah. natural, yeah. and it's yeah. all that those hours of practice that come into that moment. And it can be a you know the difference can be that in a judo fight, yeah. the hand moving that far up can make someone submit, and it's yeah. like but to be in that where you're both dancing it's like yeah. I just find that fascinating yeah it's the same thing with bikes I'll watch clips back or like I'll do a trick and I get it done and I'll watch it back and then decide once I've watched it back whether I need to do it again or if yeah. I'm happy like it was good enough or not mm. and the amount of times I'm like nope yeah. we'll go again and you can ask Taylor right here how 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 specific I can be on that that it could be 150 tries in it's not to my standard, I'm doing it another hundred times until I yeah. do it again. That's what it takes, yeah. yeah. And Adam, I'm interested, I grew up, not grew up, but when I got into the career that I'm doing now, I'm a big believer in the power of visual communication to, to make positive change. What role do you think that side of things, particularly, you know, your imagery and, 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 and to get the word out there about what's great about this has to play? I think it's a tricky one because I don't think I'm ever. I don't think I've ever tried to influence anyone with the with the work specifically. Um, when I when I started documenting bike storms, the hashtag "Knives Down Bikes Up" was like very prominent because there'd been a lot of knife crime related deaths in the news. Um, and it's not to say that those have stopped; they're just not mm. not as significant in the news right now. Um, but the images were being kind of connected to that to that sort of message that was being pushed out and that was getting a lot more traction in sort of public news national news um and to be honest international news and it's one of the things that like brought a lot of attention to bike storms but as max said in some way or another you you know in doing so you also put yourselves in an arena with those things and you all of a sudden have a voice on sort of knife crime yeah right which you know, you you guys did start bike storms as a way to create positive change, but that's not what riding the bike is about. You're not riding the bike thinking about knife crime. You're riding the bike thinking about your bike, where you're going, who you're with. Are you having fun? Like, what trick are you doing? Like, are you safe? Are your friends safe? Like, what are you going to do later? What are you going to have for dinner? You're not. Uh, you're not thinking about those narratives. So, and I think I've always taken the similar approach with the work, which is just. I never. I always wanted it to be remain quite impartial. So although there's been things that have been done with brands, I don't really favour brands being involved personally because I think they have their own agenda. And I think um, it's nice if bike storms can 
have its own movement and have its own culture and be independent of, of everything else. I problems think. down bikes up. Yeah. Like just <laughs> problems. Not yeah, knives because yeah. there's yeah. kids that I ride with that they wouldn't dream of picking up a knife. The knife is not their issue. It's a home issue mm. where it's like a family issue. I'm coming out here to escape a home life or something that's stressing me out or I may study so hard in school, man, yeah, that I just want to come out and my parents are onto me about studying. I just want to let my hair go. So when I do this nice down bikes up, it's only for about 5% of my kids that come there. Like Jake says, like the bad one that do come over, that stage there, we got to change you. Yeah. But it's not everyone here that was like, oh, I'm here because I put down my knife. Well, I would say, yeah, I would say that there's like there's there's kind of like two two areas with which bike storms really wants to make an impact. Like on one level, it's at the grassroots level where it's changing people's lives, giving creating new opportunities, Change building them. friendships. That's that's all about communication. Yeah. That's all about like connecting with people and staying staying in contact with people. Yeah. The other end of the things is really to change the the status quo and the public image of wheelie culture yeah. because on the streets there is this opinion that most of the kids wheeling are actually there causing trouble they are actually the ones there doing crime mm. that's not true well, that's strictly not true but the point the point I'm trying to make is I suppose like visually um, whether it's through documentary through podcasts through photography through events mm. through through things which are not even affiliated with riding to a degree mm. I think it's important that the message is pushed out to anyone who's not in bike culture mm. like a bit more about the lives of these people and why yeah. why you ride. Like appreciate the riding as an expression. Don't don't just look at it as something that's dangerous. Because to to someone on a bike, that is not dangerous. They're no. in complete control of the situation. To me, and it's yes, less there, dangerous. There have been a few bumps. Yeah, sure. But like everyone has bumps in other ways as well. Mm. And actually, like the tricks, um, the riding vehicles, like all of these things are expressions they're expressions of frustration or they're a dance on the bike you know mm. it's a celebration or it's or as an activist uh, it's it's a, a moment of activism you know yeah. so i think people just don't have that level of understanding so yeah. what, whatever we can do to take that message to the general public whether it be like a bbc documentary one day mm. or you know because when when skateboarding started when climbing started these are things which are now in the olympics that everyone watches and they're like oh isn't it interesting mm. having skateboarding when those things started when those cultures started no one accepted them everyone thought they were disruptive mm. everyone thought they were dangerous everyone thought they were hippies everyone thought they were yeah. druggies everyone thought they were no. they they were problem and that's just not the truth and and i think it's literally when I started doing YouTube vlogs. Right. Like, one of the first person to do vlogs in, in our scene. Um, mm. Because in the early days, it was like, yeah, we could see this sort of narrative that we was having to the public. Even down to my mum, when she first saw what I did on the right, she, she's not happy. She's seeing me <laughs> fucking flying across the road on the wrong side, going past cars, and she's never seen anything like it before. And yeah. then that was her son doing it, getting mm. thousands of views online for it as well. Like... Do you know what I mean? So then with the vlogs, we could only post 15 seconds on the Instagram. So you'd only see 15 seconds of us doing something, what you see as being reckless. So for me, that's when I was like, okay, cool. I now need to do YouTube vlogs. Because now I need to show what we're doing when we're not riding, what we're doing before that 15 seconds and what happens after that 15 seconds. You know, the relationship we have, how we're moving in the streets, how, how we're interacting with public, having fun and communicating mm -hmm. with people Helping. in the public. Yeah, so yeah. I think... Off the back of that, even down to like when you 
talking about Adam's Images, I think what Adam's Images do really well is it exposes how broad the community is and how yeah. how positive it like you see one photo here you see a young black boy who's not got who's got a, a, a cheap bike his clothes are not looking the best and the next photo you're seeing a kid from Essex on a really expensive bike in potentially designer clothes and whatnot but they're at the same event or they might be in the same picture together laughing do you know what I mean and that yeah. it was that sort of imagery over time with riders starting yeah. to do vlogs and the personal content and us making sure we're giving off our own narrative rather than letting the media kind of decide exactly who we are and what we're about um, and I think over time that's what really changed it and even what you said I think now like the the kind of divide between people understanding and accepting what we're doing compared to not now is it's it's rare that I get a negative comment on the streets. Mm. I think partly it's because I have somewhat of a respect and somewhat of a line I don't cross with the way I ride, which is what I kind of teach the young people. But I think, yeah, like even when I'm doing bike storms and I'm building decks for brands, I was doing a bit of research into um into the the bikes that nice down the power it's had. And I've come across an article that a police did a report about and what they could they actually call it bike storming and skateboarding in in London and there's a report about it and in which the police even say that um they because people would make were complaining or they've type all these internet comments but then they were like we, we've seen all this negative reaction and whatnot but on a day-to-day -day basis we literally in the report the police quote that on a day-to-day -day basis they rarely ever get a call like a phone call from the police complaining about someone on the bike or someone skateboarding in London. Like you might see us and judge us, but you're never calling the police. It's never that big of an issue, right? Yeah. So the police looking at those stats that they never ever actually get phone calls about kids doing wheelies and it being a problem. Yeah, yeah. That that they then as a report and what they do is they now turn a blind, somewhat of a blind eye to kids doing wheelies in London now. Mm -hmm. So like when they see us coming past or go through a red light in front of them, they're not... Back in the day, when I first started riding, every, pretty much every single Saturday would get chased by the police or stopped or searched yeah. or something. Now, I can go through a red light. It's a police car sitting there. I can go straight through a red light through traffic. As long as, you know, it's like one of those things, as long as I make sure I show to them I'm looking mm -hmm. left and right and I'm doing it somewhat responsibly, they have no issue. Yeah. And in the report, they literally say they, they kind of turn a blind eye and they understand and accept that for these young people, it's safer for them to be in central London yeah, and yeah. doing this um, rather than being in their local areas and yeah. getting exposed to whatever happens there. So it reminds me a lot of ways of punk culture because like I, had, I don't know if you heard of Don Letts, but I heard Don Letts on the show and he was he's a bit of an icon now. He was involved with a clash in punk and reggae in the 70s. Mm. Real, like a bit of a creative icon, but he, he was talking about that scene and basically they said, you can do this too. And you reminded me of it there when you said about the kid with the you know the, the poor bike yeah. and everything else. And he said he said like when my mate, white mates are picking up guitars during punk, it just had this culture that says you can do this too. So he's like, I picked up a video camera and turned myself into Don Lats, the filmmaker. Yeah. And there's just something amazing about that. And you mentioned earlier there about bringing people in from other cultures, from other cultures. Yeah. And when you create that kind of just buzz about your thing, whatever your thing is, yeah. that's amazing. Because yeah, you've got the bike ride and the bike life, but if at the heart of that people are meeting and from different backgrounds and learning about mm. another passion and mm. coming across either another person or another culture they've never come across. It just enriches their life and gives them mm. so much more to, to 
to dream with, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, do, I do feel, though, that some people that are afraid of cultures that they don't understand. And, and, oh, I, think, and I think largely that's, that's the problem. So, you know, the more messages that sort of we put out into the world, the uh, more documentaries, podcasts, mm. photography, films that are made, the, the slowly but surely, I think, like the narrative will change and eventually they'll understand that wheelie culture and bike storms stands for something positive as opposed to something that they should be worried yeah. about. Um, and, and I think I, it's also an issue is, is the, the whole kind of, even what Mac was saying when it came to, to the movements he was attached to and stuff, it's like that whole judgmental idea that you see one kid who might have popped a wheelie down the road and then committed a crime and snatched a phone here is like understanding and being able to be mature enough to not relate, oh, he's part of that culture, that culture's terrible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because that, it's like a skateboarder, you can see a skateboarder beating someone up with a skateboard because you get some hot-headed skateboarders and then it's like you people will judge that whole culture like skateboards mm. are, are thugs, they just chill, smoke weed yeah. all day, they don't care, they don't have a job, they'll, they're happy to fight, do you know what I mean? Everybody like, with a football season ticket isn't a hooligan. Everyone yeah, that came like, to watch the match isn't going to leave and look for a fight. So everyone that comes to red is not here for that. And that's one of the biggest things we've tried to push out is that we're not saying that everyone here is perfect, but please don't make out like that's what we're about. Because yeah. off of one situation, yeah, off of red, we don't have many fights. Off of foot, back of a football match, I can guarantee you, if we have on bikes on the same day as an Arsenal and Tottenham match, Look at the stats from the police reports. There's going to be 10 times more facts. No, they need the 12. Yeah. Literally, for the bike storms, the police, they say to us, they're like, yeah. how many officers do you want there? It's yeah. up to us because they literally don't have an issue. Like, cool, they, they put two or three vans with police five minutes down the road out of sight because they don't want to, you know, crowd it and, you know, mm. be too much of a presence. But, like, they're... If it was a problem and there was all this shit going on, you think they would be like, how many do yeah. you want? They'd They're be like, fuck. look, we're, we're bringing in police. We need to monitor it. We need yeah. one officer per 50 kids. But yeah. they're not like that. They're, they're like, well, we could have 10 officers for 5,000 of you. Yeah. And, it's, um, and, and, and we respect it and we know the kids are good. And even in that meeting when we had with Lee the other week, yeah. he's praising the Bike Storms community because there was a kid who's come on the ride who looks like he's part of the ride out who snatched a phone or two and there was other kids on the ride out who's chased the guy down stopped him and the police then arrested him after yeah do you yeah. know what I mean but to the public they would have seen that kid snatch the phone and be like yo that ride's bad yeah. because there's kids snatched. Well, it's, it's, but then it was kids on the ride who actually yeah. stopped that you and solved that situation and meant that this woman could get her phone back so if it wasn't for the ride she might not have ever got a phone back. It's a, it's a survival, it's actually a survival thing, a hardwired thing that why our brains are like latch onto the negative and like, yeah. so with bad news headlines, why, you know, why we could, and I think somebody put it recently that you could have 20 amazing things said to you in a day. Yeah. If somebody shouts something abusive over the road on the way home, yeah. that's the that's thing that will rattle around remember. your head yeah. and you'll go and tell your whoever at home about and yeah. learn about. Yeah. It's about checking that, and yeah. but and that's why I think the documentary plays a really important yeah. role in spreading a bigger, a bigger, better picture to counteract that human tendency to latch onto the negative. This article that my mum sent me a picture of from like eight years ago, one of the first bike storms. Like right now, articles that come out of bike storms, thousands of youth riding for a positive reason and whatnot, and that's through everything we've done to help change the narrative. But before we had YouTube vlogs and was exposing things, it was titles like 
hundreds of lads in balaclavas, swamp London, in Bazaar. <laughs> yeah, Do you know I what I mean? And that was, those they were the crazy. articles that was getting written about. Then when we started doing vlogs and we started putting a message out then and kids coming out of prison are coming in the van and the message is yeah. getting spread and whatnot. Now the, all the articles, BBC are like, amazing youth ride out with <laughs> yeah. fighting knife crime and da 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 But yeah, back in the day, we was Asbos and Balaclavas and kids with, yeah, Asbo yeah. kids and Ugh. nuisances and reckless and The police, uh, we, the first time I did Burgess Park, that to me, I was scared. Because Burgess Park, it's like, I wanted Peckham. to do it there, yeah, but I didn't <laughs> want to do it there because I was like, all those kids that are in their states right across the world, if my kids can't even go to the shop without getting robbed or something. So I was so like, no, I don't want to do this, but cool, we're going to get it off. Uh, all I know is we had about 25 police there, yeah, and then we pulled up to the place after the ride because we rode there, and about half an hour in, the policeman comes to me and he says, Matt, you seem to have this under control. We're going to be off. So I was like, what do you mean? You're going to be, where are you going? <laughs> He's like, you've got this under control. I, in my head, I was like, yeah, let him go, cool. But in my head, I was also like, shit. But then I was like, you've left me with all these kids. And you've gone and you've only left me with like two people. If I need them. And I was like, to me, that was a big thing. I was like, that's crazy. But the articles, you don't see that. The police ain't saying, well, we had 25 police there. There were so many kids there in balaclavas, but we left two police in a situation yeah. and not one policeman was attacked. Yeah? Police have yeah. come up to us so many times outside the tunnel. And I've said to the police, I said, I don't know why you act like that. Because over all these years, none of my kids have ever jumped on your back. And I said, come with me right now to Brixton Estate and just say two centimetres of what you said to us. Them kids are going to beat you up. And yeah, you would the thing is the police wouldn't even dream about going into some elite in the state. Like how they come at us. And I said, you lot are like picking an easy target. You know nothing happens here. It's, it gets through your day. You can go back and tell your sergeant, yeah, we spoke to this and we mm. was busy with these lot. And it's on the CCTV. And on the CCTV with no sound, it looks like we're crazy. It <laughs> looks mad. So the TV, yeah, we was doing mm. with this with like, no, you wasn't. Mm. Like you wasn't attacked. It was an easy day. We had a situation where police had, man, had like a lot of us standing behind him and he kept moving like that. And I said to him, brother, none of these kids are going to jump you. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I said, stop trying to bring that energy. Like, that's going to happen. Like, stop trying to provoke a situation. None of us are here to jump you. He just got on his bike and rolled off. That was outside the tunnel that day. Yeah, I probably just bounced. Yeah, Jake was like, this is long. Yeah. That's the mentality you need, though, to like say, you know what? Let's disperse. Let's go. At the time, it's strong because I'm still fighting against a lot of the city police the, that deal with the financial scam out. They hated us. I went into a massive meeting with them lot and it ended up backfiring on them because they tried to paint a narrative that I wasn't contacting them to do these write-ups. But I was. So one of the guys that was there, Nick, a policeman, I spoke to Nick in detail. Gave him emails, sent emails and everything. He was trying to shut me down because I think one day I embarrassed him where I just took away all his power, like, no. And then he tried to shut me down. He didn't, he ate my messages from the emails, from what I said about the riots. He ate all my messages, which he said he would carry. 
turn around Soz Law, we've ended up in a massive meeting, and who comes? You. Next year. So all these lot are coming at me in the meeting. This is in the video of Alice. All these lot are coming at me in the meeting. And they said, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And I sat down there calmly and I said, wait a minute. Nick, you. I said, didn't I email you? And then all of his bosses looked at him and says, and he goes, well, uh, uh, yeah, I, me and Mac did have a conversation. And his boss looked at him like, there was a conversation. I was like, yeah, I sent through the emails. Go check it. I'll send them to you later. I sent him everything about plans, our arrangements, and everything. He had the message, and that mate looked really bad on him. And then that's when my relationship with the city police, financial scandal, started to change. And then they started to not support. They, out of all the police, they're the ones that still hate us the most. Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with them, though. They're like <laughs> yeah. thugs, really. Like, yeah, I mean, like, one of the two times being arrested was city police. Yeah. Rugby tapping me off my bike because, apparent, because I looked like a phone thief. Yeah, those that ones with mine. the red on their uniform, yeah. they're terrible. Yeah, like literally rugby yeah. tapping. And he yeah, said he terrible. said he said it's because you um you looked at us dodgy. Yeah, ten terrible. minutes ago, and it was like different police officers. Like the whole situation yeah, was nuts. Terrible. That they let me just go for free. Like my my parents were pissed. Like yeah, they found a little bit of weed on me, but like their whole reasons and what they did. Like even in my lip, there's still like a hard bit of tissue here because when I've been tackled. I've, bit through my lip and bleeding yeah, outside yeah. St. Paul's got tourists taking photos of me like well, I hadn't done anything literally nothing so wow. that was city police yeah they're, 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 they, they, they are quite thuggish but I even with bike storms we believe like the officer we work with at bike storms and stuff now and, and stuff he's got it all under yeah Lee so he's super, he's Lee's incredible. like the government the council and the police <laughs> in one <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, he does, if you've got anything before I gotta go to them individually if I want to talk to the council if I want to take it down Lee like he's just incredible bro. Like he's literally like three people in one yeah I've even got an, a, an event like ride out coming up in June 3rd doing something in central London and this it's like some, some famous rider from New York's coming over and we're doing something and I just wanted to let Lee know. He's like, mate, do you want me there in uniform or out of uniform? But he's like, I'll, I'll come down, I'll be there however you want me to be there. So if police do come, if the city police do come or any police, I, I can just go up to them straight away before anyone else and before the kids and before argument yeah. and before there's a misunderstanding yeah, or judgment. He's like, mate, I'll make sure I'm there. I'll take the day off there, make it up another day and be there on the bike so, so I can handle situations for you. And, I've, he and is amazing. Yeah. I've got kids in like South London that are getting into trouble, 14 and that. I send them to Lee and then he don't put them through the process that they would go through if he wasn't involved or if I never got involved. He puts them on programmes, um, writes references for them. Like He does things for me that I'm like, fucking hell, bro. You are amazing. Like you've helped so many of my kids in situations where it's automatic. I've got I can't say that, but automatic help for the kids for their best interest. And he's can't say that anymore. <laughs> but yeah, but he's a, he's a good. He does some things for me that no, let's just solid. say, if all like safely, he could get disciplined in his job for like going beyond what he does for us but he says that Mac I don't care mate I'm fighting it because what you are doing is good and I believe in it like he wants his daughter to come and ride with us and that. Mm. he's he's like yeah man just yeah you wouldn't want to mess with him either he's not like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I think, but, sorry Adam to cut you but with 
Because what we've got, sorry Adam, with the teams that we've built over the years, the people that we've met, Adam, Charlie, um, uh, James, just certain friends and mentors that we've got has brought this all through. It's not just me, it's not just Jake, mm. it's like Adam's been so solid with us. Charlie, if I've got need advice with like the um, sponsorships or anything, he's been so solid. James for Jake, been a mm. rock. And just like people like yourself, like taking the time out today, then Alice, there's just been some people that I know. Lee, it can't happen. Like if Adam says, Adam helps us with the pictures, getting that out there, like the, the police, the picture of the police that he took with the kids riding alongside us. Those are iconic pictures that will go out there and spread it. Yeah, that photo is legendary. You're people. mad, Adam. That's yeah. probably the best photo you've ever taken. We need yeah. to get the police get wheeling, though. That's, that's like... <laughs> I've asked that it every time. That is stage two. I'm deadly serious. That's, that's, that's what we need, because that will yeah. definitely go viral. We've had it a couple of times. Have you seen the officer in France who's done it? No. The, the kids managed to get an officer in France to try wheelie. He's done exactly what I mean, Michael took. Maybe we can He's flipped the bike straight on Maybe we can do like a workshop or something like really? a little I like a wheelie boot camp ahead of bike storms yeah, yeah. I would say like like a little campaign I would say like for me like you were just saying about leading the police officer like um, it's it's like having certain people in the community who are really passionate about the purpose yeah. that, that, that's been the thing that's kept things moving forwards and I think as bad as like the bureaucracy of a government or a council might be. I think as long as you've got a few of those like guardian angels, like kind of pushing things forwards. Yeah. And you know, Mac has always been the one speaking up for young people. Jake has always been the one like consistently putting content out, always, always being 100. That's the, the Jake 100 comes from the energy and the positivity. And like having voices like these two, that's the reason the, the, the culture continues to grow. Yeah. And I think the next step, as Mac said earlier, is to find and inspire more people to be doing that on more of a regular basis. Because the culture's sort of somewhat taken a direction in, in, in that like it's become a little bit singular in people wanting to develop their own styles and identities mm -hmm. and ride. And actually, th there's a much bigger purpose to, to mm -hmm. what Bike Storms is. And it needs more people, more people talking openly about that. But I think, you know, when you've got a Lee in the police, it's like, mm -hmm. it makes the police... It, it sort of uh, removes the stigma. It normalises so them. It normalises them, yeah. It makes yeah. them our friend. And, and it does, and, and to be fair to the police on the day of bike songs, yeah. 10 out of the 12 that will be there cool. are great. Like, yeah. they interact with the kids, have a laugh, yeah. you know. Like. And that's another aspect of it, isn't it? It's bringing that, like you said about bringing difference together. It's that yeah. again. I remember where we, where we grew up, what would happen in, I don't know if it's still a thing, but in the summer holidays, the police would, would take, a team of them would take two weeks and they would arrange a big football tournament for all the local kids. Mm. So it would be anything up to like 16 teams in this big tournament, mm. take over a leisure centre. And it's the same thing, it's, it humanises them. Mm. You see them out of uniform, you talk yeah. to them much like you would talk to a parent or a no. friend. And suddenly they're human beings and not just police officers. And, and even if you weren't playing football, all your mates would come down and watch and it brought everyone together and there was just an energy and a crackle down there at that for, for those two weeks. And yeah. that give everyone a lift. That was my energy with the kids. I learned. Yeah, so I came in this game hating police. Absolutely can't stand you. When I've got young people around me, I realise quickly my actions are going to be their actions. So if I'm like F police, yeah, F police. 
Yeah, F the police, F the police. FTP, FTP. That's what the energy is. If I'm like, not like love the police, no one's gonna say, yeah, we love the police, man. But it's like, uh, you know, let's be fair. So we've been approached in O2 where we had about 40 police walking towards us through that little alleyway. And they're coming towards me. This was my first interaction with like so many of them. And I got these lot behind me. I remember that one. And I was like, do you know what? We got weed here, but I know we ain't got a knife here. Yeah. And when they came to me, my thing was this. I said, officer, yeah, this is our common ground. I'm going to say something. You don't want these, you shouldn't want these kids to be getting stabbed or stabbing. Neither do I. We're here. We're going to be here for a while. I said to them, the worst thing you're going to find on us is a bit of weed individually. But I said, you're not going to find no one selling. Yeah. And you're not going to find a knife, guns or nothing like that. And then they were standing there and I said to them, that's it. They said, so what's the cause? I told them what we're here for. And I said, at the end of the day, but we're not causing no trouble. These lot are cool. And my lot were scared at this time. Everyone was scared. Even me. Because like, bruv, we don't have these situations where it don't go left. And then all these police yeah, turned around and walked out. And I was like, I was nervous. I'm nervous 95% of the time I'm doing this. I just don't show it. Yeah. But <laughs> I was like, cool. You've gone. Kids are cheering. But it's what the outcome is here. It's like, you lot can see that you can get respect. You can be left alone. You don't need to get dragged on the floor. You don't need to get searched. It's just when they come, don't give them that. So I don't give them that. These lot have seen me go at the police. <laughs> like, they've seen me like, lose it on the police. But to the point where the police can't touch me. Because it's a valid reason why I'm losing it. And my body actions are not moving towards you. I'm angry from a distance. And I, if I get louder, I step back more. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my actions. I don't step forward and get louder. I step back and get louder. Because I know what you lot are like. You're just waiting for me to like grab me. So I was like, let me get louder, but step back. These kids see that. And then they will do with the police. Because one thing they've got to understand is, I'm not here taking sides with the police. I'm definitely on your side. But there has to be a common ground where we're like, we have to meet in the middle. So we may not like them, like I don't, may not like them, but as long as they don't bother us, we don't bother them, let's think. Don't give them a reason to bother me. Don't give them a reason to come over here. Yeah, And I'll be honest with you, a lot of my young people didn't give the police a reason to come over here. One or two, like the, a few names, a few bad black apples. Yeah, but majority of the time, leave us alone. The times when you beat up, um, what's his name, CJ, TJ, I can't remember the one that got beat up by the police in the park. I saw that video, that was the time that I absolutely lost it on the police because you beat up a kid that, they, I saw kids in the video that you should have been on. <laughs> yeah, but you wasn't on him and now, what you've done to him is stained him. He's gone home and left night and he's hated you lot. And for me to now change that in him is going to be hard. So don't do that. Come mm. at us. You know we're on the bikes now. They call us bike storms, kids. They call it bike storms, but they call us the bike storms. I was like, not everyone's a bike storms rider that you see on the bike. Don't do that. But it got to the point where I started claiming everyone anyway. So they say, yep, the trouble. I was like, yeah, he's ours. Cool. <laughs> like, cool. He's ours, isn't it? Like, who am I here for? Not just the perfect one. So, yeah. yeah. But where do you want to go from here? So... That's, that's where Lee got involved 
started showing me who's on his list of like troublemakers and I knew those guys cool they've got to the stage where they're not listening to me they're not willing to disrespect me so they avoid me like they will be at that park I, I've turned up with kids yeah riding through Hackney Park around the road there kids have jumped out in balaclavas and grabbed one of my kids by their bag or by their arm or something and I'm like again terrified I'm like what the flip is going on here then through a balaclava I've heard Mac ah we cool and I'm like yeah <laughs> no that's happened bears, I'm man. cool that's the worst yeah I'm like but I don't know who you are and then he's like, yo, you look, forget it. Don't worry, let's go. And then, like, just gone. Just taken. It's happened to me twice. I'm like, yeah, no, it's happened to me. I'm like, I don't know who that is, but thank God we do what we do. Yeah. Because one kid, it had nothing to do with back that. I was working on my job with these kids from Troubled Homes. And this kid was really well known. He was out of his area. He's from Peckham. He was in Dagenham. He was in the dark. And these kids came up in showrooms, but there was about 17 showroom electric bikes and they were like balaclavas in the dock and they called this guy Ronnie. And Ronnie looked back here, Ronnie was like, no, it's not me. Who <laughs> 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 says that? Yeah, they know it's you. <laughs> like, and then it was just frozen. The guys have come up to us. Have they come up to us? Again, they were like, Mac. And I went, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's me, man. <laughs> like, and then they were like, ah, all right, say nothing, what are you doing? And I said, nothing, I'm just his social worker, brother. He says, all right, all right. Still, it's not that they've got mad respect for me. It's like, bro, you're lucky, man, kind of thing. It's not like, oh, yeah, all right, cool, man, sorry, sorry. It's just like, at this time, he slides. I'm cool with that. I'm not trying to be your friend. I don't know how you know me. I'm not even really trying to get to know you. Sometimes I do, because it does help me in situations if I've got to save a kid where he's in yeah. problems with you lot. That's why... I, I do, but now I don't really like getting to know the bad boys. If you know me, know me, and then do what you did. Like, <laughs> leave them alone. But I don't really want to get to know you lot because it's going to make my job harder because I'm mm. going to go deep into you lot. I'm going to be around you lot. I'm going to come and see you, come to your jail. And I was doing that a lot for kids. I was going to jail visits, jail visits, jail visits. <laughs> just got too much for my life, man. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. I can't know you lot. Just if you want to come away from that, come to the back, come and see me. But that's that. Yeah. Bad yeah, you got to have your own boundaries. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I had to set boundaries because it was crazy, man. I felt like the police. I felt like mm. the police. I hated getting messages every day about someone being stabbed, robbed or beaten up. That was like, uh, I was a helpline. My DMs was a helpline. Mm. And I was telling people, riding with these lot is not as easy as it used to be because I've got emotions in me now. I've got a kid messaging me and he's going to message me three times since I've been on this ride saying, Mac, I haven't killed myself today. I haven't killed myself today. I haven't killed myself today. I'm still hanging on, hanging on. And then I could be having the max amount of fun with kids, EDs, look. I look in my DMs and then it's like, suicide. I would say actually like to come in there, like if, if there was anything that could be provided to support the community, it's actually more resource to help people off the bike. It's, mm. it's actually the fact that like, when you see the kids who are riding, they're the ones who are who are fine. They're the ones yeah. who are like in their body, in the moment, riding their bike. They they they're experiencing that freedom. Is the ones who are not on the bike, the ones who are, as Mac was saying, like messaging him, basically cries for help. 
Yeah. Uh, Mac has never had the resource to help the amount of people that he's wanted to help. So I think if there's anything that could ever actually mm. be yeah, no. facilitated, it would be like m- more kind of emotional, mental, um, financial, educational support for for um, you know kids of all ages, um, because that's the thing that that I guess like the guys don't have direct access to. Like all you can say is like, come ride with us. Yeah. You like you know you can't solve everyone's problem, but you but if there's more resource available and there are resources there, it's just they're not always made that accessible to people. If they were made more accessible, I think that would, um, you know, that would just be an, another vehicle for change, basically, mm-hmm. a way that you could help people move beyond this sort of like temporary escape that you get yeah. when you go riding, right? Yeah. And I think that's perhaps like the bigger ambition. But let's be honest, like the world has a lot of problems yeah. and we're not going to change all of them. But I think, you know, where governments and councils and like the mayor of London's concerned, they have a lot of resource. They spend a lot of money on things that don't do much. And if they actually were to like, you know, provide some provide some financial support, whether it be through staff or through programs to help like give kids new opportunities, help them emotionally, help yeah. them within the home, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Um, that's where that's where I think you would see like um, change at the like at the, at the at the at its most fundamental level, and and really the bike is a vehicle to get people there. But yeah, that's, that's mean, the thing that needs to happen. Off that is what I wanted to do. I, I haven't started. I haven't, this is just at the beginning stages. It was always an idea of the amount of messages I used to get. You are messaging me this because you trust me. I need you to be able to trust more people so that you don't feel let down by me if I can't make meet your yeah. needs. So I wanted to make a platform, like a, a social site, where people could go on and anonymously say what they're going through. And then the stuff with the government, if you fund workers to go read through these problems, and if they feel that they can help, that anyone can volunteer mm-hmm. and go and reach out to that child and say, look, I've got some time for you today. I've got some time for you today. And then it's not just me but the child's face never needs to be seen and neither their name or anything it's just look I'm going through this and then the person writes back with advice with you can contact me we can do this like physical appearance or I can know your name if you want or if you don't want to then you stay anonymous but you've got somebody to talk to like a pen friend you've got somebody online not just me and then the positive side of it is this has been eight years now I've got people that follow me they're 23 24 now incredible and they're married Mm. Mac, I've got two kids and I'd want them to meet you. And no, that's the beautiful side that's of it. Awesome. That's That happens a lot as well. I can't yeah. take that away. There's a lot of people that stop riding, but the time that they were with me, I've installed enough for them to... A lot of them just want to stay with their partners and be that dad in their kids' life. Yeah, man, like little like Liam, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, what I mentioned. Yeah. So, like, everyone who's around me, that's one of the things. Like, let's have fun. you got kids like Daddy Milo. You can't ride out of us till six o'clock. 3.30, I'll tap you on your back, bro, you got to go. Liam, got to go. And then with me, with my daughter now, it's an, I set the example, like, bruv, you don't see me, because, bruv, if you saw me out here seven days a week with you, it would mean I'm not doing my job as a father mm-hmm. at home. So that's where you're going to not see me as much, which yeah. is why, thank God, Jake, don't have kids yet, don't have kids yet, please. <laughs> but, but, yeah... No, I'm joking. If it comes, it comes. I don't want kids, man. I've got too much shit to do. But, no, if it comes, it comes. You know what I'm saying? I went to kids last year. Now I've got bikes and I've got my own clothing and I've got a podcast coming out and all this shit. I'm like, nah, hell no, I don't need kids for at least another three years until... 
that's what we set up. And well, I'm excited to see where you take it, Jake. And um, where can people engage with? Well, what's the where, what's the go-to place now to? You can just like honestly just get involved in the scene on Instagram through my page, through Max page, through the page that Adam runs with all the portraits, which is Bike Storms. Yeah. I'm thinking right now, like the official Bike Storms page that's going to do all the promotional content to pro- promote the event. We're still working on that for this one. But yeah, Bike Storms underscore Jake 100, Mac Impact, wherever. Just yeah. get involved in the scene. And like, if you follow a couple riders, it doesn't even matter who the riders are, you're going to find out and hear about it. So, Shout yeah. out our photographers, Tail. Yeah, Tail, Adam. Adam. Tail's the top shooter. Yeah, Tail. That's even to the point now I've got to is I live with Teo's photographer, film on, yeah. shoot all the stuff together and whatnot. So yeah, you just stay up to date online and you'll see nice. it. Exciting. But August 19th, make sure you're there, Ben. Yeah. August the 19th. You better awesome. be. <laughs> I've not yeah. been to one, so I'd love to. This the one to come to, man, I'm telling you. Yeah. Just need a bike and pull up. Thank you so much to Mac, to Jake 100 and to Adam for taking the time to arrange and give me the pleasure of engaging in their story and a big discussion around youth culture and young people and creativity and kindness and humanity and love and fear and we're in tumultuous times out there you know everything's getting cut it's getting harder and harder to afford to live and when that happens to people who already struggle and don't have good grounding or guidance or kindness and good people in their life how on earth do you turn that around you know it's hard enough I've been working this job for 15 years as an illustrator and I've managed to somehow get by there's been lean years there's been good years by and large I've managed to live a lifestyle that is far from frivolous but you know I get to schedule my own hours I get to go out for a drink here and there I get to go out for dinner I get to go to the cinema when I want I have kind people I can talk to when I'm sad when I'm down when I'm happy I've got family I'm very very blessed I've got a roof over my head I've got food in my cupboard but if you, it's hard enough. It's hard enough even with that. Even with a reasonable living, it's getting tough. The margins have been nipped. But if you're coming from the ground up and you're young people growing up in today's world, it's pretty savage out there. And it doesn't help when you've got social media examples of what success needs to look like and you don't have a grounding of identity. So what Bike Storms is doing and what the bike life culture provides is a hub, and we need it. Maybe I'll do a fuller episode on this at some point, but I've been writing the Creative Condition book, which is coming up spring next year. There's a chapter called The Social Animal, and it's about the need for us as human beings to have positive relationships in our life. It's a fundamental need. It doesn't matter whether you're introvert, extrovert, anything in between. I read one study that said, and I mentioned it on the show, that Having no positive relationships in your life and no kind of socialising is paramount to excess drinking and smoking for your physical health, not to mention your mental, emotional, spiritual health. So seeing projects like this where it's as simple as turning up with a bike and riding out and releasing something and meeting people, being a part of a community, it's absolutely profound. But to be done in the way with the diligence and the care and the commitment that Mac Ferrari and Jake have put into this from the ground up is just nothing short of mind-blowing to me. So do support the project. Go and engage with the guys. Look up what they're doing. Get yourself down to a ride. Shout about the project. And if you see people demonising this stuff, shoot them down, take them down, because it's so wrong. And, and we discussed, we touched upon that, how you're always going to get a bad apple in any community. I know bad apples in the cartoon world. You know what I mean? doesn't mean they're all dickheads. It's just 
I hate that attitude of one person's done something. It's like when you get, you know, a match for the climber. And let's face it, it's terrifying what's going on at the moment. There's places in the world on fire. There are people dying. There are ecosystems collapsing. It's bad, bad stuff, and it needs addressing immediately, and it's just not happening at government level. And to, it's bizarre to me that naysayers will see a march for something that is going to affect all of us and deprive the lives of our children. To then go, well, look, there's a coffee cup on the floor there. Someone's thrown a piece of litter down. And oftentimes this is like, you know, faked, photoshopped, not the case. But even if it was, and even if one piece of litter has made it into the road, or even a, a quite a lot of litter, don't take the whole lot down. Don't overlook the fact that these are marching for all of our futures. It's craziness to me. So to do that and to look at these kids and go, well, they've got a balaclava and a tracksuit on, they must be up to no good. That is just such a restrictive, um, asphyxiating, dangerous attitude to have. And it just deepens the divisions that are going on in our cultures and our societies right now. Not helped by social media. But then here we have this amazing example of what social media can do through the likes of Jake's accounts and the, the community and the rideouts and the bike life. It's it's incredible. So they're, you know, not to put a big negative spin on it, but projects like this are incredibly important right now and needed so much. And I love the suggestion of broadening out to support the likes of Mac by giving them the resources that they don't they're not able to provide beyond their one-to-one -one love for these young people. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it made sense. I sometimes think with these episodes, it's a little bit lateral when a lot of my audience is from the design and illustration community, but we can see it, can't we? We can see why this is creative and why this is important, why it inspires and it all feeds back to our energy and our ideas. I hope so. <laughs> That's what the Creative Condition book's all about. Coming next year, very excited about that. Um, that's enough from me. Big thank you to the supporter of the show, illustrationx.com. Check them out at We Are Illustration X on their socials. Get in touch with me, hello at bentallon.com or at bentallon on social. You can get down to Bike Storms this weekend, August 19th in London. Look it up on GX socials. Have a quick search on the socials and you will find the details. Get yourself down with a bike and be a part of it. Nice one. Have a good week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Stay creative.